11 o'clock comics episode 200 That was very fun. Very fun. Again? In the butt. In the, in the island. Actually, not in the booth. In the island. Next to me. The booth. Oh, you're from the island? I'm from the island, my brother. Oh, okay. Dude, you gotta be careful about hitting the booth, man. Namor tried to get uh, Marina in the booth. She turned into a giant. No. They don't like it. But she's still, she still look good because Alan Dave is true. So. It's true. Right. If there was ever a time I'd consider fishing with Alan Dave is true. Seriously. No, well, they always got the mouth open. Yeah. 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 So does Joan Rivers know. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> She's an abomination, Dude, do you know that uh, Joan Rivers' daughter is dating the Vivid video CEO? Really? Yeah. Real. Her daughter's kind of gruesome, too, but Joan is... Oh, she's like a young version of Joan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, 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 she's on the way to being... Yeah, just as far as Remember that dude with the puppet, Waylon Flowers and Madam? Yeah. Joan yeah, Rivers, to me, looks like friggin' Madam. You're right. Yeah, she does. That. It's like if Madam was possessed by an evil spirit and then made love to Carol Channing. In a wind tunnel. And they had a baby, it would be, it would be Joan <laughs> Rivers. <laughs> That's who it would be. <laughs> and then Lamb Chop would mouth. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Hey, everybody. 11 o'clock comics. This is it. Episode 200. The last one. Not, not the la- no, it's not it. I was just. I like I'm gonna miss you guys so much. It's been such. This a is the end. It's sort of the same way that the Stan Lee the end books were the end. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of Stan, what the hell is this shit? How to write comics book that Stan wrote? There's, there's. Uh, well, he's fun to pass on his decades and decades of knowledge. Yeah. To the That's cool. All right, I'll give. All right, I'll give him that. But why are there comics behind him from other it. companies? I, d- I doubt if he wrote it. Vince. I know, but I'm just saying. Okay, give him the Marvel stuff. Put the Fantastic Four behind him. Whatever you want. But there's there's comics behind him from like a plethora of publishers, meaning that Stan influenced the entire industry. Yes, absolutely. I don't think so. Nah, no. Of course. <laughs> Who knew? Of course he did. <sighs> Those comics would not be there without one. We wouldn't have this show if it weren't for Stanley. Thanks, Stan. I am Vince. Cheers to you, buddy. Vince, oblivious to the truth, B. <laughs> yes. Drink in that truth there, Vince. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm Christopher Neesman. You truth are. Giver. Truth giver. Truth giver. Lawgiver. The, uh, the man who won't listen to reason. I'm David Price. Ooh, yes, you are. And coming at you like a nightmare, I'm Boyd Crowder. Oh, yeah. Could Dewey Crow ever catch a break? Man, <laughs> poor, you mean t- I have four kidneys? What the? <laughs> <laughs> poor, oh, my God. God. See, that, that, that was. Wait, you mean, you mean I'm not going to convulse so bad that my bones are going to break? Yeah. Uh, and I was a little surprised about Devil last week. I wasn't expecting yeah, that to happen. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I mean, everybody. You know, unless, Dude, unless I guess your name's in the credits, you don't expect to be on for, for more than a season. You, you do not ask blood to to cross blood in the you're right. No, you're right. But it, you know, you went to Johnny, and you don't you don't do that. You don't you don't have have blood go against blood. You're always going to lose that one. 
What yeah. in the hell are you talking about? Justified, Justified baby. Justified, dude. Come on, I man. I don't watch that. No, I know, because you're allergic to good shit. It's all right. It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're here. That's right, baby. Wow. Hey, this episode of baby, 11 O'Clock not, Comics. He's, he's, not, he's not Boyd Crowder. You're not Boyd. No. Boyd who? Crowder. Crowder. Wait, Crowder. Best characters on TV. He's so You're awesome. Not Boyd Crowder. You're Jason Wood, everybody. The youngest Water. of the four, best looking, some would say. And this episode of Eleven O'clock Comics has been brought to you by the Red Swing Line Stapler and <laughs> Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your stuff at huge discounts, way below the prices printed on them. Get this, DC's new 52 number 8 issues, all of them in a bundle for 50% off. Where else are you going to get that? Right? They're off also offering the Shadow from Dynamite. Why am I reading this? For 75% off. And the book comes with four covers, so if you buy them all, you can get them all for the price of one book. Is that nuts or what? That's and not it is crazy. And all of the new DC trade paperbacks and hardcovers related to the new 52 are half off. Everything Damn. else, 45% off. It's crazy. DCBService.com. And don't forget, if you're a first uh, DCBS customer, first time, you can put in the following code into the wonderfully groomed slot and get an extra 8% off your order. David, what's and don't that code? Yes. David. Don't look your computer. What is David doing? Apparently I know what he's not mute. doing. He's not giving the damn code. The, the code, no. The code is EOC8, and that gets you an extra 8% off your already huge Wamba discount. It's crazy. And remember, that end of the world sale is still going on at In Stock Trades. Uh, it's the collision with Planet X sale. How appropriate. Uh, Marvel Comics and Dynamite Entertainment are all 45% off. Shipping is free on orders over 50 bucks. Can't go wrong. DCBService.com, InStockTrades.com. There you go. Where's, where's David at? I don't know. Maybe uh, Renee uh, beckoned. I'm here. Yeah, there he is. She, you, you, you missed the coupon slot. That's okay. Did I see? I sent Jason a note. I said I'd be right back. How oh. can you send him a note? What? See, I heard a pop-up, oh, and he... I thought it was actually, and then there was a, a thing for Skype asking me to rate my call sound quality. <laughs> oh, so I didn't know that you'd also all right. It. No, yeah. that's okay. No, I'll, I'll, send it to, I'll send it to Vince if it comes up again, but no, yeah. No, that's, that's all right. There's Jason's yeah. boo. He could be boo well, this week. Let's knock, out, let's knock out this drink roll call, our, our 200th drink roll call, yeah. uh, whereas David will point out our 199th, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> so, da so, David, why don't you uh, Well, I figured for something special. I, I might as well try something special. And I am drinking an old-fashioned. Well, there you go. You would actually, you were texting me about this this week. That's right. Oh, proud I, of you. Because they had, because they're all like, thank you. They, they, uh, I asked homeboy at, at, at Viscount Liquors, I'm like, uh, where the bitter? So he brings me all the way to the front of the store. <laughs> and there's like, and, and they have like, you know, original aromatic bitters and they have celery and then they have like orange it's like, i'm like dude i just I, the, I'm the, like, the celery bitters would be for like um uh bloody marys bloody, okay so so i, I like I, I text chris um real quick i'm like all right i'm looking at like a dozen different types of bitters <laughs> what am I for and he's like he's like just regular old bitters, so I, bitters. I, yeah so i just grabbed that and i was like and then i get home and i'm like what you get for living in a hoity-toity area no this is this is, this is up north you know and and it, 
it's a pretty decent liquor store, but it, it's uh, I, I get home and I realize I don't have any club soda. I got like some flat ass seltzer water, and then uh, and and then and I and, and I have to. I'm, I'm like, see, this is this is a, a Price family old fashioned because it's. I don't even have sugar cubes. I have I have sugar in the raw, so I I just I pour some of that in a glass, and I, I splash the bitters and 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 the and the club soda which I finally got, and and I kind of fell with the uh, with the Jim Beam, but it's it's uh it's it's pretty damn tasty. <laughs> it better be. Yeah, for all, oh, all that work, dude. Skippy. Did you really oh, say so. where the bitter? <laughs> where the bitter? Where the bitter? Uh, at? <laughs> no, the the line of of text that I was getting from him because he just kept ending up one ingredient short on everything that he wanted <laughs> oh. to make. Poor guy. Uh, I should have texted him saying, "You mad?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, since the uh, the tally has now done a complete rotation, I figured what better time than to change it up, right? Oh. New, new start. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm drinking water. Oh, no. Yes, sir. Thanks Six for saying it for me. Six pounds, baby. Really? Mm-hmm. And counting. That's You're not that's doing the whole eating one hot dog a day thing, are you? No, I can't do it anymore. I tried it. I, I did it for a couple of days in the beginning. I was dog ass tired. And I said, nah, you can't I can't. do it, dude. You, your yeah, body shuts down. It's a bad way to lose weight. Yeah, yep. can't. Yep. I, I was on a 500 calorie diet for like two months straight. Jesus, dude. That's how it's I lost the weight really quick. I lost like 35, 40 pounds really quickly, and it wiped me out. I, I was unable to run. Any kind of exertion was almost impossible. So I said, "Nah, hell's nah. I got to do this the right way." Yep. There well, you then, go. Hell's, yeah. yeah. Gotta yeah. gotta be gotta be trim and slim for uh for C two E two. I know I gotta look good yeah. next to David. Maybe I'll look yeah. at him. Yeah, yeah so this way, yeah, it'll be like, oh, do you see the guys from eleven o'clock? It's it's Chris, Vince, Jason, and the fat dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. not even funny. Uh, not J- Jason, uh, what are you what are you drinking? Well, although we you said mad? we weren't gonna make a big deal out of it being episode two hundred. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, That's right. No live stream, but Jesus. Ah, uh, hey, <laughs> professionals. True. Savvy. Anyway, I I knew I said, we said we weren't going to make a big deal out of it being episode 200. But uh I figured what the fuck, might as well. So, I'm po- I popped open a little uh a little Vouvé Clicquot, Pont-Sardin, a little a little of their um it's uh it's their Privé Brut, sort of their uh their like private the chef the the um Oh, very nice. The private stock from their head mm-hmm. uh uh, got his gift uh, from a buddy uh, from my birthday, actually, and I've uh, been saving it. So I figured, no more saving. Let's bust it open. So, well, now what is, is that? Champagne? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but it's it's good. It's good champagne. It's not uh, Dom. It's not. It's not like a a Dom P level, but it's it's because that you would mix with orange juice. That I would That's mix right, with orange juice. I don't, I don't have any orange juice, so <laughs> I I would just awesome. Well, I'll um. This is about as tame as I get because I like Vince, um, like Jason, and probably like David. Uh, it's it's coming, you know, past the new year and and trying to shed the the winter weight. I uh, turned over my new leaf this week and I uh, started. I'm on my uh, third day straight of hard workouts and watching what I eat, and so I'm just having a uh, a glass of, uh, of red wine tonight. That's wow, good for you. what is going yeah. on? We're old. I know. Wow. Wait, I'm having a Chris drink, and Chris is drinking my shit. I know. We're all messed I'm, uh, up. Yeah, I'm drinking a little Barbera tonight. 
Which I guess I should be talking about like Conan drinking Barbera, but uh, I got something very yeah. close to that to talk about. Well, nice. Right. So yeah, yeah, so so there you go. It's, uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna try and be lean and mean by the time that you guys uh, uh, roll into Chicago here in a couple months. All right. That, that that wine cleans out your kidneys and your penis. Does it? Okay. Yes, it's very good. By the I, way, I, I was going to say something. I'm not going to. I think we should um, we should have our first ever video uh, cast during the road trip. Oh, yeah. Oh. That'd be nice. As <laughs> long as I can sit in the run, back. Dude. If I can hold the camera and sit in the back seat, fine. Nobody wants These to see These rosary bleeds right here. Head. Yeah. That's cool. We'll have, oh, da- we'll have David. David will play Sammy Davis. <laughs> oh, I want to be Sammy. No, you can't. Then you have to sit in the front. Though. I have to do. All right. I'm in the front. I'll be Dean Martin. You are suave. <laughs> yeah. Vince, you were going to be Dom DeLuise, but if you're actually losing Oh, weight, you I bitch. Guess... <laughs> oh, that's funny. I guess we'll, we'll let you be the crazy doctor. <laughs> Dom oh, was very that. funny, though. That's yeah. awesome with his fucking crazy eye. That is fantastic. I could always be Jamie Farr. You could be. Yeah, yeah. I'm close. You could be my Catherine Bach. Ooh, she was hot, man. We're going to let Roland be our, our Jamie Farr because he's ginormous, and somehow that's funny, the idea that a ginormous guy would play Jamie Farr. That is funny. <laughs> or Richard Keel. He could be yeah, Richard he, Keel. He's the corner, so, you know. All right, let's do this. we got to talk about some comics. We what do. It's yes. episode 200. Come on. Yeah. Who's going first? Uh, we should all list our 200 most favorite comics. Oh, yeah, let's do that. That'd be so <laughs> much fun. That'd be hot. Uh, I actually, I got, I got one to kick off with. Wow, look at you! And He's I think jumping that, in. No, I know. Uh, I think Jason actually mentioned this uh, around the eleven o'clockers time. I would guess that David has probably read this. If if he hasn't, it's I know it would be on his list. I'm not for sure about Vince, uh, but Many it people is. Say that. It is. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I'm going to start off by saying that. We, we all have a tendency of talking about great uh, writer artist teams through history, you know, and uh, uh, you well, know, certainly three of us do. But go ahead. Do Ooh. do some of us not? You just sideswipe Vince, didn't you? What the hell? Come on, <laughs> it's like a gangbang. You know, I'm hurting. The, the, the Burn Claremonts, the, the 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 Kirby Lees, and and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and we have some really sticking a dagger in Vince's stomach. I know. Yeah, I know. I, that was a little bit of a side nice. swipe. Uh, but we have we have some really nice uh, writer artist teams from the last decade or so, and this is maybe turning into my favorite one just because I love everything that they've done, and that's uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And I uh, oh. just just finished reading The Last of the Innocent this weekend. Nice. And what a messed up treat of a book that was just uh i i sat it down and did not honestly know how to feel Mm. it's he has gotten so i say he and i mean they they have gotten so good at making you root for the bad guy but in ways that whenever you put the book down you're like gee you kind of feel dirty rooting for him but then you kind of question whether you really are rooting for him. I mean, the, Riley Richards is a horrible human being in this True. book. And I I really enjoyed the story. But at the end, I was just like, you know, if he had gotten 
if he had gotten offed in the last page, I I would have been okay with that. He was yeah, that for sure. hor- he was that horrible of a person. But um, the the kind of cool thing about uh, the last of the uh, the innocent is, uh, and, and if you haven't heard about this out there, spoilers. Um, Ed Brubaker has talked about writing Archie comics for a long time. This is not something new. I think uh, I talked with him on AC years ago and jokingly uh, we asked him what he wanted to do when he was done writing for for Marvel and he said he wanted to write Jughead comics and he was absolutely serious. He I I totally believe he wants to write off in the sunset and and write Archie comics in his in his retirement and this is his and and Sean Phillips totally messed up noir twist on what if the the kids from Riverdale grew up and were less than ideal citizens I guess I mean, is that how you would you would uh, put the take on it Jason not only is it how I would, I think it's how I did put the table. Okay, yeah, yeah, and and I I, I remember you talking about. Yeah, it. no, no, exactly. It's I've, it's it's, it's Riverdale meets criminal. It's pretty. I mean, it's genius. Yeah, but what's what's cool is that uh, they do a bunch of flashback scenes, and so it goes back to you know a, a little bit more simplistic art style, and you can tell you know it's like a nineteen sixties you know silver age style um, strip, but it doesn't drop any of the criminal language or or personality i mean they're still saying you know shit and fuck and there's sex scenes and and murder scenes and and you know serial killers and stuff that you're not going to find in archie comics so it's it's kind of like the uh, if you've ever seen the website that reinterprets the family circus cartoons but but uh, makes them much more adult content. I have it's kind it, but of, that sounds great. It's hilarious. Um, and that's the feel of these. It's like you're looking at something that should be very innocent and, you know, a throwback to to uh, a simpler time, but it's it's not. And quite honestly, there probably wasn't a simpler time. In 1966, 1968, this stuff was probably happening, and you know, it just wasn't reflected in, in some of the cleaner comics of the time. So it was, it was really good. And if you're a criminal fan, I, I had told myself I was only going to buy it in the deluxe hardcovers mm-hmm. because I ended up triple dipping the first time, bought the singles, mm-hmm. bought the trades, and then bought the deluxe hardcover. So after the the hardcover, this is the only one that I've bought in in trade, and it's because Jason talked about it so highly, and I've heard other people really enjoy it. And it sounds almost like Brubaker is um, following Kurtzman's lead because that's what Harvey did. He He took those those icons and archetypes and and tropes and he corrupted them and mangled them that's what mad is all about they've been doing that for yeah. for how many how many decades that sounds like it it sounds like it, it fits in the wheelhouse of of what um what uh, Harvey did with mad if i'm wrong i don't know cuz i haven't read it but that's what it sounds like to me mangling them corrupting them yeah well that's exactly what it is yeah yeah i uh i haven't read Last of the Innocent yet, but I did since since Chris opened the floor with Brew Baker and Ed Brew Baker and Sean Phillips. I did read the first two issues of uh, Fatal. And that's what I thought. Yeah, okay, that's where I thought you were. Going. Oh yes, yeah. This this was. Uh, I mean, it's if you are used to Criminal or even Incognito, it's 
it's in that same vein, except it's probably maybe a little, I'd say even maybe a little bit more noirish, but definitely with a, a supernatural bent to it. There, there are all, there are cults involved. Um, there are, uh, there's definitely a magical element going on here. And it's, it, it I'm glad the, the inside of the cover of the second issue, um, was there because I, I I didn't think one of the characters in the series was the same character. I honestly thought it was uh, it, it was a granddaughter, but it it all it makes sense as as you read it. But it it's a uh, and the art's fantastic, colors by uh, by Dave Stewart, and it's just it really does. Even though it's published by Image, it it doesn't. It doesn't skip a beat. It, it feels just like what yeah. Ed and Sean have been doing with Icon. I did, did well, and is that kind of telling? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if it's. I. I don't know because I mean he's still. He's still. Edward Baker is still writing Captain America comics for Marvel, and I mean he's not. He. He just started Winter Soldier with with the second issue just hitting the shelves today. So I mean it's not like he's. He's I just, I, just, I, just it, it, I, I, not, not so much about you know his position at Marvel. I think it's more about Marvel's thoughts on on Icon. It's it, it's possible. I mean, you know, we we, we right now, I, I'm pretty sure Scarlet's coming back now that Moon Knight is is ending. Uh, so we have Scarlet under Icon. We still have Casanova coming out under Icon. Are you I sure that Scarlet's coming back? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It is. Uh, and, and it's and and the only reason they had that break after the seventh issue was because they were going to do Moon Knight. So I mean, once once that their arcs were done with Moon Knight, they were going to come back to Scarlet. I did not know that whether it was only going to last a year or that's just what sales dictate. But either way, Moon Knight's ending. They're going to go back to um, to Scarlet to continue that story. So I mean, Icon is still still exists, and and I'm you know you still have powers and, and the Kabuki collections, I guess. So I mean, there are still things coming out under Icon. I don't know. I, I myself, I haven't done any research on it. I don't know if Ed and Sean both went to this. I don't know if if Sean Phillips decided, you know, hey, why don't we consider Image? I don't know if Image just has a better deal. Yeah. It's it's their twentieth anniversary. Maybe they're just. I maybe who knows? I, maybe, I, I, I think it's. Force. I think it's interesting because whenever they first launched Criminal, one of the big reasons, as cited by by Brubaker, was that they would be able to get in uh, uh, through Marvel's distribution. And so it would help their numbers considerably. Sure. And and that was, you know, how long ago now? Um, probably, what, Six. four, four, year, four, five, four yeah. years ago? Yeah, at least, yeah. Probably yeah. about four years ago. I, I, I think it's, hopefully, hopefully, I think it's um, maybe showing how... The industry has changed a little bit, and but, and but then you know distribution's a little bit a little bit different, especially whenever you talk about um, um, digital. So, but here's, be- so here's something else though. Here, here you have you have an image founder with Jim Valentino bringing Normal Man to Dark Horse Presents. Yeah, it's true. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's got know, his own publishing line at Image. right. I mean, they're shadow lines. So I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know. And granted, I don't think Normal Man fits into really anything else Image is putting out. But there isn't anything you could pick up 
five, four different image books, and nothing will stay. Unlike Avatar, nothing will say to you, this feels like an image book. You can right. read That's what I was just going to say. There's so, not I an mean, image style not, anymore. Right. So, I mean, you know, normal man probably could work under image, but I could also see him wanting to put it in an anthology format and, and maybe getting a different set of eyes on it. I don't know. It, it, but it's Maybe he's buddies with Mike Richardson. You never it's, know. Maybe it's a has a, I, mean, I can't see a huge draw for Normal Man, but maybe he, the, Richardson needs pages filled in in uh, and DHP. Of, Who knows? I don't I, know. It, it's but so I mean it's if I, I get <laughs> that it's a little interesting, or you're like you know why would yeah it's just but, it, I just so, thought it was right. Absolutely. What does it mean uh, for the industry when the only distributor wrecks a digital wing? <laughs> that doesn't say much, does it? Uh, I can't believe you're getting it that... already. Yeah, I know. I've been talking for a while, though. Keep going. <laughs> Poor Vince. The more things change, people, the more they stay the same. Um. All right, well, seeing as how it's uh, it's February 15th as we record Happy this. Happy Valentine's Day, guys. That's right. Happy Valentine's Day, booze. Um, I want to talk about a uh, a Valentine's-flavored book. Ooh. Eros uh, Comics? No, not Arrows Comics. Yeah. No, uh, no, no, uh, no housewives at play, uh, or, uh, or 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 any of that. No, I want to talk about uh, a book by a couple of our buddies, uh, published by uh, the aforementioned Image Comics. Um, a book that we've mentioned of when it came out, but I don't know that any of us ever really gave a full-on <laughs> review of it. And that is uh, Love Struck, uh, written oh, by, by Dennis yeah. Hopeless and oh. uh, by oh, Mr. Kevin, Kevin Mellon. Yes. So, um, this book, when it came out, I had it, I had started reading it, and then, to be honest with you, I put it, I had it sitting on my, uh, nightstand table, and then one day, my wife did one of those, hey, the, the, uh, cleaning lady's coming today, so get your comics off the floor, and so I <laughs> put a bunch of things on, on top of it, and so it kind of fell unintentionally to the bottom of a stack that I hadn't revisited, so I was, uh... I was organizing and putting everything away in the in the comic room, and uh, lo and behold, at the bottom of the stack was this only one third red, and it wasn't because I didn't enjoy it. It was literally just I had forgotten that it was there because I covered it up. So I thought, oh, how perfect! I'll um, I'll save it for Valentine's Day week to talk about, and uh, and so I did. So, so the the premise is really really cool. It's it's um it's it's the Valentine's Day Cupid mythos. Uh, with like a, a modern day punk rock aesthetic, um, the main character is a hot, hot ex punk rock groupie turned Rolling Stone photographer uh, named Callie Monroe, and she is a f- in this world. Essentially, um, there are people. I guess you could. It's sort of analogous to like if 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 the world had mutants, and you know how mutants sort of just all of a sudden manifest a power. There are certain people in this in this version of 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 our Earth that have the power to, uh, like a Cupid-like power that can basically manifest feelings of passion and love and affection. Um, some of them don't really realize they have it. Some are more adept at it than others, but 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 there are you know a select few that have it. And generally, when when they pop up onto the radar, uh, Cupid, who is this in this book, Kevin portrays him as this unbelievably obese guy that's sitting in a floating chair. And you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me a lot of the um, the character from Dune. From Dune. I was Remember? Ah, the, uh, that, that's what, that, yeah, exactly. That's what he reminds me of. 
whatever you want to say. Arcana. Exactly. Um, but that's Cupid. And Cupid is a, the, you know, the god of love. And basically he's come to the conclusion that love sucks. There's no such thing as love. And so the cool twist here is that he, he enlists all the, these, uh, these empowered people as his agents, but not for like the cliched, let's make people fall in love, but to use these powers for the gain of their corporation. So like they'll have, uh, like they were given examples, like they'll have a, 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 a chairman of the board, uh, you know, suddenly start banging his secretary so that uh, he gets fired, which allows them to acquire the company on the cheap. Or, you know, they'll have, uh, you know, basically someone give away trade secrets to somebody because they get to bang them. You know what I mean? Like, and, and Cupid and this corporation are behind the scenes capitalizing on every one of these decisions. They're carefully orchestrating all these things to profit. So they're, 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 they're sort of like this massively profitable, you know, trillion dollar enterprise that basically leverages, uh, the power of love and passion to their advantage. And Callie gets recruited into this, and there's other people in her group. It's kind of like a group of five five different people that have this power, and she's the newbie. And she, uh, as it turns out, is not just one of them, but she is massively more powerful than is typical of these Cupid agents, um, so much so that she can uh, engender passion and not just love. And as a result, she kicks ass and takes names and takes to the task really well because she, as I said, is one of those people that she's just not a real believer in love herself. She's uh, a former punk rock groupie that banged a ton of people when she was a teenager. Uh, you know, now she's sort of all grown up and, and, and doesn't believe in love. Um, and she under, she kind of becomes the leader of the team and, and over the course of some of the book, you know, they're just, they're executing at a near flawless level. Meanwhile, uh, Ovid, who um, is the Cupid's right-hand man, is clearly working. He's a double agent. He's clearly reporting back some of the stuff that's going on to somebody else who were, were not clear who it is until one time he whisks Callie off. And they, instead of showing up at Cupid's door, she walks into a room. And who's sitting there but the Ramones? Nice. Uh, and, you know, like I said, she's a huge punk rock fan. And so she sees the Ramones. And the reason she sees the Ramones is because, in her mind, those the Ramones are her gods. Uh, so it's God, uh, okay. portray, you know, God portraying itself man, as man, the Ramones to her because to her that is the ultimate uh, God. And the Ramones basically say, listen, you know, Cupid's lost his way. He's corrupt now. And you're the reason you're so powerful is because you're going to be the next Cupid. You have the power to displace him and become the new avatar for love in the world. And she's kind of like, I'm having a blast. Like, I don't, I have no interest in doing that. Like, I don't believe in love either. And the Ramones slash God are like, well, I don't know if that's really true and, and so forth. And then the adventure continues from there. And, uh, and, and, and eventually the, eventually there, there is a climax. I won't give away what it is, but the book is not, it's it i mean that's one aspect of it but the thing about it is it's just a raw book i mean uh first of all kevin's artwork is terrific in this um you you know he's really grown by leaps and well, bounds from really i remember when i first met him not that um, he was ever there, bad what's that? but not that he was ever bad no absolutely oh there we go sorry little, i was on i was on more polished. Yeah. yeah yeah, yeah he's very much more polished correct um there's crazy nudity in this 
Yeah. Um, like one of the Cupid got one of the there's two there's tw- a twin brother and sister there are two of the Cupids, and the brother's just a just a classic mid twenties dirt bag, and it's like what would it what would a guy like it's like what would a guy from Jersey Shore do? What would the situation do if he had the power to make people want to fuck him? Right? I mean, if he, and that's what this guy is. He basically goes into a club and he gets five to ten girls to just come home to his hotel room and bang him in all different depraved ways. Um, you know, there's there's uh, there's just there's a like a little teen ingenue who's not eighteen yet, so she's basically the tease. You know, she's she gets guys hard and she she teases them and 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 and, and implies that she's going to bang them, but she doesn't actually do so. You know, like um, there's all these like little. They they all have their own little way about it, the, the way that they utilize the power. But there's there's people banging on the on the hoods of cars. I mean, there's a a, a scene where the C, a CEO of a basically a giant tech company um, is seduced into uh, he's he's at a uh, he's at a nightclub and he's there basically because he's about to announce it's one of those like sweet sixteen parties for a a, a rich guy's daughter. Only it's it's an eighteen it's an eighteen it's a party for her eighteenth birthday, but it's the same kind of gig. And the CEO dad is going to have this other CEO come up, and they're going to announce this big merger. And the Cupid doesn't want this to happen because he hasn't bought enough stock in the companies yet to profit off the merger. So he needs them to to screw up the announcement. So they have the CEO uh, as he's being called up to do the announcement. They have him and the eighteen year old the eighteen year old daughter of the other guy get you know fall in love and so up on stage instead of like he literally walks right up on stage pulls his pants down and starts banging the 18 year old right up on stage <laughs> like i'm intrigued thousands of people so which then of course prompts the other ceo to start beating the living shit out of him um so it's just great stuff and i will say this this is the the most tastefully well done book that ever used the word cum dumpster in it <laughs> <laughs> nice. but in all seriousness i had a hell of a good time with it um i thought it was an absolute blast and uh I you know I I'm pretty sure the book got got reasonably good reception when it came out but um but I definitely get the sense that more more people could 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 know about the book than do. So uh I definitely commend it to people's attention. It's it's if you saw the solicit or saw the name and 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 thought this was going to be sort of a uh I don't know like a slice of life modern day like singles esque type of love story. This is not that at all. Um I mean it's that same Sort of stereotype of twenty-something characters in the in the modern era, but but that's where that comparison ends. I mean, this is supernatural and raw and sexual and dirty and adult, and it's, it's fun, a lot of fun. Sounds right up my alley. Why did I yeah. end up in reading that? I don't know. It was. Um, I would have to ask them. This came out as an OGN. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it clearly was written as a as a comic book. You know, it was written to be six issues because this has six chapters and it's. The structure of it is clearly, you know, that there are cliffhangers at the end of each chapter, as though it were going to be, you know, twenty-page single issues or whatever. Um, so I don't know if they had, you know, made maybe made plans and then they had to switch it up and put it in OGN or whatever. But uh, but it works well in this form for sure. And um, it's, uh, I think it's it's sixteen ninety-nine cover price. So you know, various and sundry places like in stock or Amazon, you can probably get it for ten, eleven bucks. I'm guessing, well worth it. Cool. Kick-ass Eric Jones cover too. I'm gonna, have yeah. to, yes. I'm gonna have to get on that. Yeah. So. You know what I did get though? What'd you get? What'd you get? I'm glad I'm not staticky because I'm not gonna tolerate any kind of distortion talking about this book. Uh oh. Yeah. Should I go get a glass of wine? No, I got two yeah. hardcovers in the mail did this you go week. For? 
Two. Yes, both of which. Which I wanna... one are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about both of them a little bit. <laughs> one I'm going to talk about a lot, and uh, it's from the fine folks at Ad House. Mr. Chris Pitzer publi- oh. publishes some great books. This is a it's collection. Not fair. I, I can't make fun of you about talking about Ad House books. <laughs> it's a, gotcha. It's a, that's a dirty, way, dirty trick. Before we get a little tangent. The pictures that uh, Chris posted of Angoulême. Yeah, yeah, where the hell's my my American Barbarian book? It's, in my it, hands, it, Dick. It, oh, are you shitting me? <laughs> Wait, though, before you get into that, Tom Scioli looks like he could kill somebody. Yeah, you mean, you mean Tom Scioli? Is it Scioli? That's Scholey. that's what the uh, television the personality. Yeah, yeah, she called him Tom Scioli. So I don't you've know what to believe. Including you, have always said Scioli. But I yeah, know, I know. As I said. Yeah. And, but and, and am I even, right though? Tom doesn't look at all like I pictured him. No, oh, no, no, I think oh, he does. Got, oh, you got you haven't met him? No, no. Oh, okay. That's uh, maybe it's I've I've met him a couple different times. That I he forget. Like he could take a steel. He looked like he, he looked like he could take a steel tip to a motherfucker's head. Is no, I think he looks like a, a very respectful, mild mannered guy. He's a very very pleasant person in person. That's what I'm saying, yeah, very nice guy. But, yeah, you it, 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 it I is, do. His, oh, I can't wait. It's coming. It'll oh. be here Friday. Yeah, I'm glad I pre-ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to have people. You know I guess saying? so, yeah. You, you know, the, I, don't uh, say, I don't say thank you enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, let's get into this. Uh, originally presented as a webcomic. And I, ha- I, I have to admit that I was extremely deficient in checking it out regularly. Even though I pimped it? N- no, I, I, I love... Tom and I love his work, my God! But to get me to go to a, a, a web comic is like you're pulling. Not a, you're not a big web comic. Yeah, it's like pulling or, teeth. Um, I, I don't remember to do it. I I don't believe in RSS feeds or whatever. I just I don't uh-huh. I just don't go to website to uh, web comics. When I do, I love them, but I just don't make a habit out of it. But anyway, so they've collected all of Tom's American Barbarian into a beautifully designed hardcover. I mean, the printing, the paper. It's it's gorgeous. Um, gorgeous. It is. It's 1995, over 200 and I say 225. There's no page count, but that's okay. It's thick. And uh, for those of you who don't know, let's give them the pitch. It, it's it's the setup is kind of like the classic he- uh, journey of the hero, the heroic journey. It always starts with tragedy, doesn't it? Um, uh, the Yusaman clan. They're the defenders of the Lionhorn dynasty of New Earthia. Uh, is comprised of the epon- uh, eponymous patriarch, and he has seven sons. And they all possess locks of brilliant red, white, and blue. Isn't that nice? Uh, Merrick, the youngest of Yusaman's sons, is badgered and taunted and, and pestered by his six brothers. Because they detect something special in the boy, something that they wish they themselves possessed. Um, their intuition kind of bears fruit during a ritual. And it's a very cool ritual undertaken by generations of Yusaman. It's called the Tangle of Swords. This thing is really cool. It's pretty simple. Each brother plunges their hand into inky blackness, grabs the hilt of a rune sword, and pulls. Uh, the weapon they extract is inscribed with a glyph that determines their roles in the family. 
right? Six, uh, seven brothers, seven swords. You would think each one would be uh, prescribed a special task or, or position within the family. But this tangle is, proves to be very different. Uh, however, a similar outcome has been seen only one time before. See, when Merrick pulls the sword, he pulls out all of the swords, the entire tangle. He gets them all, leaving his six brothers empty-handed. Which uh, And this little feat garners him possession of a very special boon, uh, a tiny key which unlocks a gateway to a weapon of great power for good called the star sword this is dun 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 dun, dun. so years pass here's here's where the 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 heroic journey kicks in years pass one brother leaves the fold but very little has changed in the Usaman family Merrick is grown into an incredibly strong scrapper uh still pestered by his siblings their their latest antics include locking him in a claustrophobic compartment during a training exercise, which proves very fortunate for Merrick and very unfortunate for everybody else, because while they're doing this, their their father Usman is engaging your father in a, in a, an attempt to convince King Lionhorn that dude, you need to reach out to the rulers of the uh, surrounding kingdoms, and we need to shore up our defenses against this threat. The the the, the people there, there's rumors that this threat is lumbering our way uh sure enough the kingdom is besieged by the satanic pharaoh of the flatlands the evil two tank omen how cool is that two tank omen whose legs like as his name suggests terminate in in these tanks titanic treaded weapons of war he has tanks for feet right by the Um, way there are there are probably a few thousand listeners right now thinking Man, Vince really doesn't ever listen to Wood when he talks. No, I know. D- dude, we, we need to mix it up, right? You talked about it, what, 25 episodes ago? Well, and the 11 o'clock years, but... Gotta keep it fresh, right? So... <laughs> uh, he's trying to save it by saying about the book. I read the it's real diff- book. It's different than the webcomic. No, it no, is. Shit. Nice. It is. I bet you it is different because there's things in here that... Well, I, I wasn't current. It, I don't remember seeing in the... Uh, and the webcomic. But anyway, uh, so while uh, the, the, the kingdom is decimated, uh, the entire clan Yusuman killed right before uh, Merrick's eyes. He's, he's stuck in this little chamber, but there's a window. And he's looking out, and he sees his, his entire family just slaughtered. Uh, he eventually escapes his, his makeshift prison. And th- this was... I, I, I literally laughed out loud when he did this. He takes a dagger... And he's crying, taking a dagger, and he carves revenge in his fingertips. He's but got moves like dagger. As you, <laughs> as you know, revenge, there's more fingers than there are letters in the word revenge. So he fills out the remaining fingers with exclamation points. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's awesome. He really means it because each exclamation point is compounds the revenge. Uh, so he heads out uh, to secure his destiny. He gets the star sword from the family chamber. He and he goes to avenge his family by destroying the demonic two tank omen once and for all. Will he succeed? I'm not telling. You you, you gots to read the book. Uh, obviously, uh, Mister Sholey's artistic influences uh, are worn on his sleeve because he he's. I'm saying it's Sioli. You can. I'll say surely. We'll both say it, say it both ways so all the bases are um, covered. Tom, come to the 
for him and tell us who was right. For all I know, she could have screwed up. But you would think like they'd ask him, hello, you know, how do you want your name said? I don't know how to do a French accent. Oh, you add the fromage. Some of the concepts in this book, aside from the Merrick's journey, I love Azrael, the big globby kind of mush dude with the badass belt buckle <laughs> there's a, a mobile fortress powered by a black hole cyborg dinosaurs and regular dinosaurs as if regular dinosaurs weren't enough <laughs> tom has jumped them up and cyborgized them and and they're the, the cyborg dinosaurs are evil the natural dinosaurs are good uh there's the sexy uli and her smart ass douchebag brother olsen Mother Nefarious, High Avataris of the Great, the Great God, Alun Gothma, and and this is the these guys. I really fell in love with these guys. The Hirsute Trio of uh, Galileo, and I, I'm guessing you pronounce it New, who resembles Ukla the Mock from Thunder. Nice. Yeah, and uh, a Chewbacca analog named Buchaka, who kind of has this. Ghost face from Scream going on, but he's mostly Chewbacca with the with the bandolero and the 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 uh, crossbow. Uh, time travel plays a big part in it, and you get to see God's balls. Mm. That's always a good thing. It's never bad. The clackers, God's God's balls, fire lasers. But uh, there's even a takeoff on Shepard Fairey's. Uh, they look like the Ramones. Andre the Giant has a posse <laughs> image. That that iconic image that. Uh, Shepard did. There's uh, an American Barbarian uh, page. Oh, in the, the, in the same, Yes, in the same vein. But Tom, he's really stretching his legs artistically in this because it ranges from your traditional pen and ink. Uh, some pages he does watercolor. Uh, there's a really nice page. I think he has it as his, his avatar on the forum right after Merrick carves the... Uh, the revenge into his hands. He he holds his hands up in front of his face and he looks at them. Very striking image. There's a watercolor of uh, two tank omen and Merrick going at it. And uh, there is photo manipulations, a.k.a. what Jack did in um, Commandy. Merrick's driving a car and it's uh, right at the, the, the title page for the City uh, with a Heart of Darkness chapter. Merrick's in a car and it's a photo. And he has it manipulated and colored in ways that the king did in uh, Commandy and other books. He has multiple pages where the action proceeds. Um, it's it's one static shot of the uh, the mobile fortress, and you get to see Merrick going in and bouncing around the rooms, all through the rooms. It's like a cutaway of of this fortress, and he's bouncing all around, somersault, and then you turn the page, and the 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 fortress continues, and you get to see what happens after that. It, it's it's an amazing achievement. There's there's pages that are dense. There's loose, airy pages, double page spreads. He does stuff with splatter and and stipple. Uh, he lets color hold um, some of the figures. Like something happens where a character breaches the time stream, and he he, he appears all multicolored, and he's he's um. Very different from his surroundings with the black line. So it's a striking difference. This is an incredible book. My favorite page. I don't know if this appeared in the webcomic, but it's a uh, brush drawing of Merrick. And uh, Tom uses the additive coloring process where he does a, a layer of magenta, then lays 
uh, a layer of cyan over it. It's a really beautiful image, and it's just just used as like a little like like a spot illustration before a chapter starts. It, it's it's a quality publication. I I read it three times. I, I wow. keep going. I keep going through it, looking for, and the character design. Holy crap! Like Two Tank Omen is just amazing. Totally the, awesome, right? Yeah, and the um, the big squid, blue, multi-eyed god creature. I want a vinyl of that. I want time to get into vinyl uh, production because there's a ton of characters in here. He could, if Johnny Ryan can do it, Tom can do it. Because I mean, his I love Johnny Ryan, but Tom designs better characters. Wow. It's, yeah, this is awesome stuff. And Chris, remember the um the limited edition American Barbarian you got for me, the the run of twenty five? Mm-hmm. He uses that cover in here, but that stuff's totally different from this. It doesn't totally, appear, the totally it, awesome limited edition. Yes, that's that signed by him yeah. that I own. Yeah. None yeah. of that is in here. There there's maybe uh the, the covers in here and maybe um another image, but the sequential art from that um Mini is not in here, so I feel very privileged to own it. Well, yep. I'm glad. I do. I knew that, I knew that you would <laughs> you would have much appreciation for it. And it sounds know, like that's what has the production value on the uh, on the hardcover. It's very beautiful, toothy paper. It's not glossy. I'm gonna it, dig it. And oh yeah, and what they did was there's a a yellow weathering effect. It's very faint, but all of the pages have a yellow like um discoloration effect behind them and then the artwork is laid on top of it it's really nice <laughs> really nice yeah hardcover if i didn't say that before mm-hmm. and in uh, he, and some of the coloring is very simple but then as you turn the page he goes full process and there's uh there's a neat watercolor page when um Merrick meets the uh people in the cavern with the snow and it's just i think that's my favorite page uh, just a, a very loose gestural kind of brushwork on it where you barely make out the the surrounding um the city and the and the mountains cuz it, and it, it he lets the the watercolor just bleed beautifully i love it but then in the foreground Merrick and and the horse and um Uli are done with the traditional you know black brush line it's it's fantastic I love it. I don't know what else to say. It's, cool. it's, it's one of those things that <laughs> are just made for me. All right. Cool. No, it's, it's, it, you, it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible book. It, it is. I, I, I love it. But, and it's, it's not, I'm, it's, I find it very difficult to, to, um, I got to give Tom props. It's not an ape of Kirby. I mean, he could have sat down and just punched the buttons and did it by the numbers and just totally did a, an a, a homage to Jack. It's not. You you could tell that Tom loves Jack's work so much that he's adopted certain stylistic tics and traits that Jack did. But, but he's his own artist. He's not saying I want to be Jack Kirby. He's in Jack Kirby had a huge influence on me. He's transformed the way he he helped in the gestation process of my style. This is me. Right. And, and and it totally works. Uh, it's 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 an achievement. And the best thing about it is, it is eligible for this year's Love and Oscars because the publication date is May. No, let's see, March 2012. So this is eligible, baby. I don't care when it originally came out. The hardcover is marked oh, 2012, definitely. and it's it's in there. It's definitely going to be on my list and up there. It probably might win too. I love it. So big ups 
to, to Chris Pitzer, Tom Scholey, slash Scioli, Scioli. And, and the the fine folks at Ad House. Support them. Yeah. Go buy this book. You're not going to find a, a better hardcover for 20 bucks. It, impossible. Can't wait. Ad House, I mean, Chris does such a great job. He really does. Yes. Yep. I love it so much. And there's there's subtle uh, there's there's humor in here that's kind of subtle too with the whole uh, and did you, uh, did, you the, the, I love the the Toyota hatchback yeah was the map on the um, it must have been because it's it's in the in the finale they 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 present I mean, a map I, I don't have the book yet I get it Friday but my understanding is there's nothing in the book that wasn't on the web okay did you notice on the map um, there's been a pole shift on this planet south oh. is now north and north is south and Oh, I don't know if I noticed that. Yep, the poles have shifted. Maybe Mr. Sholey is a prophet. Will you stop saying that? I'm sorry. <laughs> we hear it from you. Take one French bitch's word for it, and now you've <laughs> thrown away years of continuity. I just hey, want to only, do right by took, the man. It only took one, one, uh, one tiny case to upset years of art, comic artists. Uh, plans for artist alley this yeah you know it's i i would love to talk about this because i think it is fascinating and um hopefully not hopefully it's not going to change our convention experience to uh a, a huge extent i mean it could um jason you want to you want to fill people in on the the gary friedrich fallout <laughs> oh, <geez>. um <laughs> Well, I know I, I just because I know that you've been following it, and and you probably have a, a fairly level-headed interpretation. Not two days ago, yeah, because huh? I was pretty fired up, but um, I'm much less fired up about it today. Um, <laughs> well, as as happens, unfortunately, in today's uh, day and age, um, and we're all guilty of it because of Twitter and blogs and Tumblr and very. <laughs> We, we 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 all get our stuff bite in bite-sized chunks and then move on to something else. So it's rare when we all do a deep dive and really understand, or at least try to understand everything in context. But uh, I guess I don't remember when the news first broke. But it was maybe what like two weeks ago when the the seventeen thousand dollar issue came to bear. Somebody yeah. I don't remember who broke yeah. who wrote about it. First, yeah, it, it's a it's a lawsuit that's been you know yeah. Garrett, so I can't imagine anybody listening doesn't know what we're talking about but but for the sake that maybe there are people out there that are smart enough not to get caught up in the ridiculousness <laughs> the of the show. comic news cycle yeah. um gary gary friedrich who um is one of the original creators of the uh fiery-headed ghost rider soon to be seen on movie theaters again um with mike plug exactly with mike plug and well and roy thomas but but um anyway he for those that have ever been to a, a, on the convention circuit, um, Gary is a very common uh, uh, participant in artist Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was at um, uh, Summit City. Yeah, Summit City. Yeah. C2E2. He actually he was uh, real close to coming to Windy City. He's a St. Louisan, so it was uh, it was. Yeah, I've seen him a ton of times. Um, yeah. he's, he's uh, and he's you know he's, he's always there with the with all this Ghost Rider swag and. Big po- big poster and signs as creator of Ghost Rider and um, and as I mentioned to David during the maelstrom of this, uh, to be quite candid, um, if we're keeping it real, he's his his booth is is sparsely attended. It's not like people are flocking. Yeah. To, to well, see I, mean, I mean, the, the Ghost Rider is kind of a a, a 
C character anyway. In spite of the fact that there's a movie, it it absolutely is. You're right. So so Gary created the character, co-created the character back uh, in the 70s when he worked for Marvel. Um, And um, again, a a lot of the younger listeners probably don't know the name that well, or at least did until this news, because, you know, he really hasn't had much of a career uh, in mainstream comics uh, in in the last Otherwise, yeah. Um, He has done some work in recent years. Um, but there was a big chunk of time when he was away from the industry. Uh, and again, I, I'm not going to get into all the specifics because I don't know the man personally, but um, he's been very open with the fact that he, he uh, was, uh, and I say was in the past tense, but he was a, a very bad alcoholic for a long time. Uh, and he, he blames that on, on part of the reason that he doesn't have a career in comics or didn't for a long time. Um, again, I, I don't, I, I, I don't want to project into that as saying that that's why he, we don't know his name or whatever, but but he he himself has said that that's part of the reason that he really stopped getting work in the seventies. Um, but but regardless of that, he has largely, uh, as we kind of found out, made his living uh, on the convention circuit um, and through his website selling Ghost Rider related uh, mm-hmm. prints, uh, you know, memorabilia and, and the like. Um, and, and for those that aren't clear, he was a writer. He was not in, in a, a, a cartoonist. So when we say he cre- he helped create the concept and, and wrote uh, some of the early. Uh, appearances of Ghost Rider, um, but uh, but he was not. So he he didn't draw the, the character. So when he sells artwork, it's it's inherently not going to be his artwork. Anyway, um, and that and that's a a big point yeah, that's a that, big issue. So, yeah. so anyway, he's, he's like many artists of that era. Unfortunately, was work for hire at a time when the concept of work for hire really didn't exist, and then came to bear uh, during a portion of his career. Uh, and um, as 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 again, many people are aware. Uh, he was because he worked for Marvel it, in the mid seventies uh, when they made the switch over to work for hire officially. Um, he basically had to sign a contract that, that uh, uh, in retrospect, was a very onerous contract. It, it basically said, "You work for us. Everything you do for us, we own lock, stock, and barrel. You have no rights to it, and uh, and so forth." So on. I'm paraphrasing here because mm. I don't. Know. It's it's pretty much what every comic book company, and not even comic book companies. It's, you know, it's I I had this conversation. Jesus, 15 years ago at one of my first jobs, I, I worked at a company that uh, was a, a, a DIY company, made a, a do-it-yourself product, and they had uh, a, a chemistry lab, and I talked to one of the chemists there, and he was working on a on a patent for something that he had invented, you know, on his own, and he... I, and he said, yeah, I had to be very careful about the documentation, you know, so I can prove that I didn't do any of this while I was at work. And, you know, yeah. it's, it just kind of underscores, it's like, you know, whenever you work for someone, well, they're paying you to to do something. I'm really glad and, you brought this up because um, one of the things that I really haven't seen discussed a lot is this concept of sometimes I wonder if comic book fans and the industry people – well, look, I know the industry people do that for a living, but, like, I wonder sometimes if, like, any of the people that – Still read comics? Actually, ever worked for or currently work for big businesses? Because like no, because they, they don't understand that. No. Yeah, I mean because so like people know what I do for a living. I'm a portfolio manager and I'm a partner at my firm. But I can tell you that even in my line of work, that rule applies. Like I have been a co-manager of my fund for over a decade. We have a track record. You know that we you know we have an audited track record of our performance, which I'm proud to say is quite good. You know, if we were to ever to part ways or, you know, my partner was to retire and sell the firm, whatever, I wouldn't legally be able to claim that track record as my yeah. own. 
right? right. Because it's yeah. it's the firm's track record. Even though I may be a huge, well, not maybe I am a huge component of that track record. I I cannot claim it as my own legally. It's not mine to claim. Now they can allow me to use it, and you know, or and I can make certain attestations to having a role, but I can't say this is what I did. As you know what I mean? Um, you know, there I I you know invest in a lot of technology companies. If you work for Cisco or you work for Microsoft, and you know I have a, a good buddy that just left Microsoft. Uh, one of my college buddies, he just he was the head of Windows Phones division, Windows Phone division, and he just left to go uh, become one of the heads of uh, Amazon's uh, Kindle division. Well, he did tons. He oversaw tons of unbelievably innovative stuff at Microsoft. That 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 they will make millions upon millions. Yeah, absolutely. Of dollars on. He doesn't own any of it. Like it's not his. <laughs> Now that being said, he he was well compensated by Microsoft. But sure. but the point is is that if you know um, if if, uh, if 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 Windows Phone ends up becoming the biggest operating system in the world, he doesn't benefit from that other than whatever he did is his is his income while he was there and the, the stake. So getting and back his, to and, and his and his personal legacy, you know, and and kind of kind of where I was going with this, and and Salazar and I have been talking about it this week quite a bit, you know. Okay, so Gary Friedrich comes up with the concept of Ghostwriter, and I'm not taking. Well, see, but he comes up with that version. I mean, he didn't come up with yeah. Ghostwriter. Well, yeah, and, the original and, was and, a, and, a ghost it, on a horse, and it goes and it goes it goes beyond this. But you know, and I I hate taking corporation sides because <laughs> uh, as opposed to you know no. what Mitt Romney says, corporations are not people, and so it's hard for me to to take their side. But you know, on stuff like this, uh, you know. It, Gary Friedrich comes up with the character of, of Ghost Rider, so what if no one's there to publish it? The reason that we know who Ghost Rider is is because Marvel published it. And unless he could self-publish it in the 70s, we never would have known about that character. Then and, he wouldn't have been able to use the name Ghost Rider anyway. Yeah, and... <laughs> he, right, was so, he was compensated for it. He was. Right, so, so he had to sign this contract... Which at the time was standard operating procedure. Roy Thomas signed it. Uh, John Romita signed it. They all signed it. And again, I think one of the things that people are having trouble with with this thing that's gone last few weeks is separating the long-standing philosophical debate of whether that for hire contract concept, when it comes to the ownership of IP, was too onerous, and whether it's incumbent upon the publishers to make good on that stuff. And and again, that's a to me that's a wholly separate debate from what's going on with Gary Friedrich because. Gary opted for years and years claimed he was the co- the sole creator uh of Ghost Rider and would make ruminations about the fact that he was owed more than he got from Marvel and even made comments that you know if they ever make big money off Ghost Rider I'm going to assume. Well, then the movie comes out. The first one. Um which again while it certainly wasn't a a a blockbuster and the like of of Spider-Man or the X-Men franchise or anything like that. Um it actually did over 200 million dollars globally uh and was cost far less than that so it actually is a, a a very solidly profitable film for sony it's not a marvel movie it's a sony movie but you know marvel obviously participates because they sure. they license the character out so gary got pissed and he sued in 2007 he sued marvel claiming uh, a bunch of things and and if anyone wants you can google and and uh all the, the cases yeah. now all well, he did the- he, did, he didn't just sue marvel he sued sued marvel disney yeah and correct, and, correct. and <laughs> Yeah, and I think some other people involved in there. So correct, and he, and he basically said, you know, I own the character. I, I haven't been getting paid. I want, I, I want the character's rights back and everything. Long story short, the case went on for nearly five years. It was litigated. These kind of cases almost never go to trial. This one did. 
uh, and he lost in every count. He lost across the board. Uh, again, not surprisingly, given the structure of the contract that he had signed at the time, the the court ruled that no, in fact, Gary, uh, you're you're not the co you you were a you were involved in the creation, but it was under work for hire contract. You do not own the rights uh, beyond the scope of what you're already getting paid for royalties. Uh, and uh, and there were other other components to the set to the to the ruling. Um, which were entered into by both parties, and that's where the shitstorm started. Because yep. one of the parts of the of the well, there were two parts that got everyone up in arms. One, it was reported wrongfully, I might add, that Gary could no longer make any claims to Ghost Rider. That's not true. Um, what Gary can't do is he can't go around with big signs like he has at Artist House saying he is the sole creator of the Ghost creator Rider. of yeah. he can still sign Ghost Rider memorabilia or books and he can still create credit as he can take credit as being one of the creators while at Marvel of Ghost Rider the character but he can't say he's the, co- the sole creator or that he owns the property um, the other thing of course the thing that's gotten us to where we are tonight about talking about it is that um, one of the parts of the of the case is that um, Gary has to pay Marvel back seventeen thousand dollars to make good on the mon- on their portion of what they he is owed he owes them for the money he's made uh selling the go- uh, product that have ghost rider images uh on it over the years at conventions and where this yeah, and like- and well and let's just say that and, and this is going to come talking about original art and stuff but the stuff that he was selling, he was selling like prints of other artist work yeah. of ghost rider right. and then you know signing it because he you know was billing himself as the creator of so right so where this gets sticky is that you know uh the industry of course sees this news and then the immediate reaction is oh my god giant marvel disney corporation <laughs> with their billions in profits are attacking Poor old Gary Friedrich, whose house is about to get foreclosed on, and how could they do this? They, they, this is just you know bully, bully tactics, and oh my god, you know this is horrible. And so, of course, you know you have all these people. Uh, and part of know, that's true. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. There's a component of that, but in, which I think we have to to acknowledge. But but the point is, is it became this thing like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this. Like, let's save Gary Friedrich. And, um, and that in and of itself, I have no issue with, look, I mean, uh, charity starts at home, you know, but if you want to be charitable with people, uh, certainly there are lots of ways that you can be charitable, both for comic creators and lots of other things. Um, I think charity is a very personal thing. Um, I don't know that it needs to be publicized and sometimes people try a little too hard to trumpet what they're being charitable for. And, and I think to my, my personal opinion is that kind of loses some of its gen- the genuineness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if Gary needs help, I don't think we needed to make a big public spectacle of it. You could have helped him without um, telling the world that you were helping him. But but regardless of that... No, everybody loves the cause. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with wanting to help a guy out, especially if you know the guy personally or you feel bad for him because he's in a tough spot and you feel like he's created good stuff. Hey, no problem with that. If you Hey, everyone has their own right to support. Yeah. I had no issue. Where it got I, sticky is that this then became, well, wait a minute, this is Marvel now saying that Gary owes them money because of stuff he sold at Artist Alley and Prince, and my goodness, every artist in that goes to Artist Alley draws commissions and sketches and makes prints and T-shirts, and oh boy, this is Marvel's is, way of is saying this, you, is this you can't the do this opening? Anymore. Is this the opening of the door of Marvel Disney protecting their copyright and basically, 
you know, showing that they will go after people legally for for profiting over their their properties. So, right. So, so I would say about two days ago, this really hit a crescendo because Sean Murphy, who uh, of course is an artist that we all love near and dear, uh, and he's a DC exclusive artist who who is uh, actually been making quite a name for himself lately with his blog because <laughs> he he just last month was talking on his blog talking about the importance of you know your own brand and actually acknowledged that he makes about ten thousand dollars an issue. Uh, at DC, and, and that 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 opened people's eyes. But Sean, um, speaking with, uh, I guess referencing a Steve Bissett post on Facebook, and I guess Steve Bissett has a longtime friend who's also a an attorney, uh, whose reaction to this was basically, if you're an artist and you're creating anything with images from Marvel or DC, you need to stop because this is a sign that they have the right to sue you and to ask you for back pay if you ever rock the boat. And you better be real careful unless you have the money to pay for what they ask for in return. And Sean Murphy posted all this and said, as of then, he was no longer going to do uh, any commissions of licensed characters unless DC, who he works for, gives him a, uh, a specific waiver to allow them him to draw mm-hmm. DC characters. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'd say probably the last 48 hours is when we started seeing on Twitter, you know, artists going the range. Some artists saying, making fun of it, like this is not a big deal, folks, all the way to a lot of artists saying, I don't know. I am not going to do it anymore. And I can tell you, and I won't name their name, but a person who had agreed to do a commission for me actually emailed me today and said, uh, I'm sorry, I can't do it anymore uh, for this reason. Um, yeah. And and I actually posted, uh, sent them the link to the CBR article, uh, which interviewed Joe Casada and Dan Buckley today, where they basically got tried to get in front of this and say in a as clear a way as possible without upsetting the Marvel lawyers. Look, we're not going after people who do sketches and commissions. It's not what this is about. Um, but uh, this, nevertheless, this is, this, this is about don't sue us because if you do, we will make your wife difficult. Correct, correct. And that's where you bring up. You brought up the point where I think there's some bullying going. On. Absolutely, there is because look, um, the the world is not fair. Uh, in a, it, it, I wish it were, you know. But the older you get, the, the more you realize it's not. Um, it was ill advised. Gary, it was ill advised of Gary to sue whoever the, his lawyer was. He, when, right, when you, he either he either gave bad advice or he didn't take the advice. Right, when you engage in a lawsuit. You know, you people people sue too too often, but but people sue for lots of different reasons. But yeah. when you engage in a lawsuit, you have to. There are some uh, there are some uh, expectations you need to have. Um, one of which is that you have to know who you're going up against, right? I mean, he knew he was going up against a multi-billion-dollar company um, that has an in- in-house legal team that's that's among the best. You know, I mean, you're talking about he's suing over over the rights to a character with the largest. I mean, Disney. He started by suing Marvel, but Marvel at the time was the fifth largest licensor of characters in the world. So, you know, clearly they know a thing or two about protecting. Uh, the idea of IP. So, you know, he was a, he was a daunting task to begin with. But getting back to the 17,000, you know, um, I've seen a lot of misinformation out there about this, like, uh, uh, like as though a lot of people have been very flippant saying, well, you know, Marvel could have just made this go away. <laughs> First of all, there's nothing saying that they're not going to do that. Okay. This is a, an initial settlement agreement. And, uh, and, and I, and Dan, Dan and Joe actually alluded to this as well today. Um, nothing is final here. Uh, th- they're expecting Gary. He's claiming he's going to he's going to file an appeal. Um, and uh, so I ultimately, seriously, folks, don't think that Marvel's going to make him pay seventeen thousand um, dollars. But that said, what people really don't get, and this is why I say that apparently nobody ever works for a big company. Marvel has a fiduciary responsibility 
to its shareholders to protect its assets. Yeah. And Marvel's number one asset is its characters. In fact, that's the way they why became, that's why Disney bought them. Absolutely. The way that the way that if you go back and look at when Marvel announced they were going to start making their own movies, you know, with the Iron Man and Thor and Avengers, they used several hundred of their key characters as the collateral to the banks to get those loans. They literally pledged the rights to those characters to get hundreds of millions of dollars from banks to make those movies. Like, that is their top asset, and they have a duty to their shareholders. And I know people's eyes are rolling in the back. Yes, it's big business, but that is their – they're a big business. It's their job. They have shareholders, and it is their fiduciary legal right. They have a legal obligation to do everything in their power to protect the value of their assets. They had no recourse here. They had to countersue. And they did that for two reasons. One, by countersuing, it again, it's dry stuff, but but when you're sued, countersuits counter are very valuable because it allows you to have a much easier access to discovery materials. Yeah. Meaning like if, if a suit gets far enough in, the lawyers have the right to discovery, meaning they can ask for evidentiary discovery. Like they you know, whether it be we want to see all the email communications from Gary and Marvel, we want to see any letter from Gary or the contracts. And when you are being sued, because the onus is on the the plaintiff, the person that's suing, uh, if you're just being sued, in the discovery process, it can be hard for you to get discovery that helps you because uh, there's no real burden on you, right? The burden is on the plaintiff to make their case. So if you're counter-suing, you become a plaintiff. You have a much broader, easier access to discovery, which you want because it's going to help you defend your case. So, I mean, this is all very basic, standard legal maneuvering. It's not insidious. It's the way the legal system works. If you're going to start calling that insidious, you have to basically attack the very fabric yeah. of our legal system, which, again, there's plenty of debate in that as well, I mean, that if we're overly tor- an overly contentious, tortious state. But that's the, that's the way the, the court system works here in this country. So the net of it all is, yes, Gary, a small, almost destitute man, sued a giant corporation. He lost, and now he's in what looks to be a tough spot. Um, I would I say – I mean, it, it's, a, it's a David and Goliath – Thing, it is. But, it but is. But I think David, David Price put it best. Yeah. You know, I say David because you said David Glass, mm-hmm. but Dad put it best. You, you, he poked the bear. This, yeah. the seventeen thousandth ruling is because he poked the bear. Some, and Marvel is David saying should, shouldn't pick a fight with Goliath, right? You know? And and yeah, is there some bullying? Sure. And Disney, and if you think DC wouldn't do the same thing, you're out of your mind, right? You know, if sure. if Alan Moore decides tomorrow, that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for, right. for Watchmen. They will release the hounds on him. Yeah. They will do everything in their power to make the case that he has no, not a shred and of that, and, and that should put it in perspective. I mean, if Alan Moore is not going to do this to DC, what makes you think Gary Friedrich would win with Ghost Rider against Marvel? Correct, correct. And, you know, so I think the whole point is is that what I was saying about this Artist Alley thing, because I live for... I mean, other than hanging out with y'all, I, you know, the thing I do at cons is hang out at our Sally. Um, I was pretty clear from the jump, although, again, I'm, it's not how I make my living, so it's easy for me to say, that this was 100% about teaching Gary a lesson and, yes, sending a message to anyone else that may think about suing Marvel that they have recourse. I did not think this was at all pertinent to uh, one-off original art creations. Um, uh, and, and, and yet... What it really came down to is not so much what I thought, but whether artists were getting scared off. But then some, are, but, some are getting and, scared off. But I do think enough that I've heard from the last few days have have, have been very level-headed about it. So I would say 
the net of it is, yeah, they'll, they'll it'll almost, com- it'll calm down. Yeah, there may be a few creators that say, "No, nah, I can't do it." But uh, well, at least I have probably six or seven outstanding commissions right now. And like I said, I heard from one today that said I can't do it anymore. The others have all said, no problem. Or I'm, I'm good. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll still do the commission. And so, honestly, there there are enough creators out there that, truth be told, if they didn't have to draw Wolverine one more time in their life, they would be happy about that. Sure. And so And so this will get – it's like Jeff Darrow. Um, I was doing my Avengers Jam piece, and Jeff, who I've been <laughs> – friendly with before i was like hey jeff yeah you know would you uh, do a you know captain america or what he's like yeah no i'm like okay (laughs) i understand there's there's honestly a lot of a lot of guys who will use this as an excuse an easy excuse to to not have to draw characters that they don't want to anymore absolutely um so you know uh it's been interesting i i What's been funny is like sort of the back, like the the D, you know the Twitter DMs and the the emails <laughs> like they want to be off the record, but are very prominent. And uh, I would say eighty to ninety percent of the reactions have been like, people need to stop losing their minds. You know, this is really not like they're overreacting, and this is you're they're 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 making something out of you know what it's not. Um, um, now, now that that all said, I I would say if I were in their position as an artist, I would be much less likely to have those high-gloss prints of Marvel characters that I'm well, selling 50 bucks a pop. You know, I, I, think that. That, I, think, I think that Marvel will actually provide those to a lot of their exclusive artists for, a, um, you know, I, I, I think, I, I may be talking out of school here, but I think it's possible for, for Marvel artists to buy those from Marvel and then sell them. Well, that's totally different. I mean... Yeah. Like, because because even in the in the Friedrich sediment, Marvel said uh, Gary's more than welcome to buy Ghost Rider officially Ghost Ghost official Ghost Rider materials Watson, yeah. at retail and then autograph the stuff and sell it. So and that's and then and yeah. but that is yeah. I mean, he was he was selling prints illustrated by other people. Yeah, it's not like he were even selling. He wasn't exactly. even selling his artwork. And that's where it really got me with this one. I felt like there was a tremendous amount of hypocrisy here. Yeah, because. A especially lot of, from the anti-piracy of, folks. Yeah, exactly. A lot of homeboys, especially the anti-Big 2 posse that was coming out this week out of the woodwork that don't really do work for Big 2 anyway, that are real, like, creator-owned, rah-rah-rah, and, 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 and anti-piracy, rah-rah-rah. Homeboys were seemingly awful flippant about the fact that the the major moneymaker that's getting the $17,000 bill to it was a print of a image that Mike Plug drew for Marvel, <laughs> that, to my knowledge, uh, he didn't give uh, Gary any explicit permission to use. Wow. So yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, that's where it kind of gets me here on this one in yeah. particular. It's like, I mean, it's not even like Homeboy drew this stuff. Like, it's not like Blue <laughs> is like I'm using my own drawing. I'll make a piece of it. Like, he didn't draw. Like, he's using somebody, another artist's work, and not even giving him credit. Yeah. And plus, the other thing too that Gary did is he actually hired artists over the years to draw like commissions of Ghost Rider, like uh, Arthur Soydem, my my boy, yeah. uh, and then use that commission as as the the baseline to make prints and sell them. And I and I think I think we've it, whatever Buckley and and Casada said today, which I I didn't uh, I didn't read that, but I would assume that doing sketches, doing commissions, as long as they're not like you know, John Byrne, twenty 
thousand dollar commissions, even though he always puts the the Marvel copyright info on there. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be fine. It's whenever you make reproductions, whenever you're selling prints or T-shirts or keychains or lunch boxes, because that is Marvel's business. Whether they say it's comics or not, it's not. You know, it's their business is selling licensed properties. So David cracks me up today because. There, there. Are people after the Buckley Casada thing came out, then the conspiracy. There's like, well, I don't know. They, they were. It seems like they're saying that that it's cool if you're a Marvel artist, but otherwise you still might have to worry. And David's was like, David was like, well, why would they ever talk about what with you other companies art? Like they're just commenting on Marvel art because that's what they represent. They can't tell you what whether they can't speak for DC or Image or yeah. or Kirkman or or you know uh, Terry. Moore. Like they can't say it's okay for you to draw those characters. They could tell you, yeah. That so their comments were couched for Marvel characters because that's who they own. That's, they can't. Yeah. They, that's they, all. You, that's all they care about. That's right. I didn't stress that stuff. <laughs> but by the way, we've totally lost Vince with this conversation. Yeah. You did present Vince, it in Vince a very – Wow. How does it, it feel, Vince? Great, What's great, though, is that <laughs> is that when this first came to my attention, like last Thursday or so, there was a tweet from Vince who was basically just tweeting a link to, to some dude's Australian blog talking about – and, 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 and the, the headline was totally – a sensationalist type type deal where it's like oh marvel's trying to like you know take this poor old destitute man to, to the cleaners and it's and all, all this was just like i just sent the link i didn't write the man. headline and that was the only yeah. thing i've ever seen vince comment on this at all and ever since then when everybody else started to to talk about it whatever side whatever camp they were in vince hadn't said boo since i I just don't care. <laughs> I so don't. I, care, I cared enough to click that link because you know it might paint Marvel in a bad light. But other than that, no. It's. it's I, I just. I, I just don't. I mean, ultimately, if that if the hammer did come down and they uh, restricted artist alley drawings of their characters, um, one, it would affect my con experience. No. In zero ways. Right. No. You right? Would, and and two, would, yeah. it if they did do that. You have to admit, the small percentage of people that go to conventions, and then and then you cut that that percentage down even more to the the people that actually have the funds, like the ballers. Th- this would only affect well-to-do, no, middle class to well-to-do comic book fans who have the disposable income to go and plunk a hundred dollars down. Which is the, the industry, dude. That's the, that's the yeah, customer base. But yeah. well. I would really there, like to hey, there are a lot of the artists out there that the convention circuit that's probably a very high percentage of their annual income oh yeah that's the bad part yeah i right. i would I would regret all the the income lost to the artist that's my that's what I do that's my bread and butter i can I can sympathize with that and it would be very very bad but the the customer side of it. I, I really don't care. I'd be like, deal and with if, it. You know, if, it's if this, well, it, I mean, again, that's your prerogative. I mean, obviously, I understand of, that. But right. you, I mean, a lot of I would love to enjoy. But put it this way: you don't care in the way you're thinking about it. But a lot of the people you most enjoy attending cons with really, really care. Yeah. 
And I would tell you. Oh, I know you do. To, it would make me much less inclined to go to uh, sure. uh, as many cons but, as I go to. I mean, just for the sake of argument, I would love to to know out of out of say say C two E two gets a uh, uh, fifty thousand attendees, right? right? How many of those people actually go to Artist Alley and drop money there? Two thousand, three thousand. Right. Right, so it's like it's like a small fraction of the overall right. attendance. But, Good, but do that, but, but how do they mark? But they're not. Wait, but they though, don't. But they don't market C two E two as an yeah. artist alley convention. It's no, I understand that. Be, but to, to be you're, you're not seeing. And, uh, honestly, I think you're not seeing it the whole the whole picture here because because that's a too that's too simplistic way of looking at it. Because number one, um, a ton of the artists that participate in panels are there. And justify going. A lot, I mean, there's the presumption that most of them are going all expenses paid is not true. Most of them are going on their own dime, right. and the only way they can justify doing it is by getting an artist alley table and selling their wares. I'm, I'm so, on board with that. That, that. I mean, like I said, I simply right. What I'm saying is, the, is that so it's not just how many people go to artist alley and buy artwork. It's how many people go through artist alley with themselves or their kids to get books signed, which is thousands upon thousands. There are there are yep. three thousand people that get in line just to get uh they, just to get Scott Snyder and uh and Capullo, Poppy Capullo to sign their books. Okay, so so there's more. It's much more than a few thousand that make use of artist alley. Then it's yep. how many artists wouldn't come at all because they can, no longer can make make their income that participate in the panels. Oh, well, it, panels it, it, are a humongous component of big conventions. Humongous. So again, another big chunk would be gone. I think it would have have a massive effect on the convention circuit, particularly everything. Yes, would San Diego survive? Sure. Would New York sure. survive? Sure. Would Mid Ohio Con survive? Well, no. Would, eat, would Emerald City? City? Emerald City. Hales, no. Would Would Baltimore Heroes? Mm-mm. So, and this is not just stuff that I mean. These are conventions, by the way, that don't make a lot of money for the publishers, but they make money for the artists. They make money for the the local dealers. They make money for the you know the 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 other local vendors. Um, so I think it's a huge deal, frankly. Um, I think Artist Alley is still a huge draw because yeah. of, again, it, it's what gets the artist to the show. Um, right. So well, I don't think it's simply uh, how many guys buy commissions. Yeah, you're right. There's maybe a thousand commissions that are picked up and sold at a convention like C2E2. I get that. Right. Um, but that's not what this is about. That, that, that's, that's, that's the gravy. That's, that's what, you know, a guy sells a couple commissions before the show. He's, he's living large. He's loving the fact that he's, he's got that in hand. But, but that's, that's a small, tiny uh, part of what the ripple effect of this, this would have. Um, but just uh, let, we can wrap it up by this. But, but I just want to say, because it seems like a lot of people haven't seen this yet, um, they, CBR asked Casada and Buckley to clarify their position on Artist Alley, and Casada said, uh, and I have to give them credit for this because again, they they I'm sure had very very, <laughs> they had very very explicit uh, coaching I'm sure before they got to give this interview as to what they couldn't get into. So the fact they said what they said, I have to say hat tip to them. Casada said, well, let me put this as simply as I can. Marvel's not looking to make any new policy announcements through this lawsuit. Dot dot a lawsuit that began five years ago. Right. As a case in point, the internet and the creative community become incredibly concerned when Disney acquired Marvel in 2009, thinking that Marvel now wouldn't return original art to its artists, even despite my publicly stating to the contrary. As you can see, that was unfounded. And then Dan Buckley j- jumps in. <coughs> Excuse me. We in no way want to interfere with creators at conventions who are providing a positive Marvel experience for our fans. We want fans to speak and interact with the creators who wrote, penciled, inked, lettered, colored, and edited their favorite stories. Part of that positive interaction is that a fan can walk away with a signed memento or personalized sketch from an artist. Yeah. So again, that's I don't I don't know how much more explicit they could be yeah. without making the lawyers that work for Marvel upset. Uh, yeah. And you know, and, and on, 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 do, you, 
do I mean bottom line is do you think that Marvel a company that does what is what's their licensing a year something like you know 125 million or something in 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 licensing plus the 60 million or so in comic sales and then you get into the movie stuff you think they're really going to concern themselves with a hundred or a couple hundred thousand dollars in convention sketches and con- and commissions of their characters, probably not. Yeah, is my exactly. is my is my guess. They have bigger fish to fry than if you know. And Dave Wachter, bless his heart, they have bigger fish to fry than than trying to send cease and desist letters to Dave Wachter for drawing Wolverine at Mid Ohio right. Con. In 2010, Marvel did 5.6 billion dollars in licensing sales, and Disney did oh, wow. 20. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Disney did 28.6 billion. So the combined entity uh, is, you know, well over 30 billion dollars in in license sales. I, I think they they have a little more to concern themselves with than somebody that's uh, drawing me a a domino Wolverine <laughs> sketch. The only, I mean, and and just trying to, if it did come to pass, where all of a sudden, no, you you know, you weren't able to pick up your domino commissioner anymore jason if the only thing i could think of uh, to put a positive spin on it or, or to just you know look at the silver lining is that it's been a damn good run for for artists to to sell those domino and and wolverine and deadpool sketches at conventions yeah yeah i mean yeah absolutely sure i i think some would adjust look i mean um I do think it would it would drive some artists out of the business because I mean I think uh, to uh, sure. some of the especially yeah, the, well, there the higher name artists make I mean, they, a big how many, chunk of them come. How many? Uh, all right, so so for C two E two, you alone. How many how many artists have you touched base with that you will be picking up commissions at Chicago in April? Well, Chicago I April. already have confirmed seven, but there are, I have plenty of other inquiries out that I just even haven't haven't heard. From. So you have so, so just you alone. Are already touching base with artists for the next few months that, that you'll pick up commissions for, and, and Marvel characters or, or otherwise. But so, yeah. so you think about all the other comic book fans who are also doing that. They these creators, these artists, already now because you have major commission selection, and 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 chances are, well, you, I, I know you do. If they want any money, it's half now, but. There are some some fans who will pay in advance. The, those fans have basically paid for that artist's table for that weekend. So it's as you were saying, it's it's if they if this went away, then yeah, our artists. I mean, like you just mentioned with all the conventions, that would that, that would take a hit. But yeah, I mean, it it's it is it's necessary. Plus, I mean, someone in the thread mentioned how uh, how it's kind of like. I, I guess you could look at it like a farm team. You know, if 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 enough, if this artist draws these characters enough times, then then it's possible that they could build their portfolio or, or just you know, try try to get their foot in the door with with Marvel or, or any of the other publishers. But yeah, no, I mean it's it's, yeah, no, it it, it would really be a bad thing if 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 this happened the way everybody was worried. With the whole sky is falling, wait. Yeah. Are we done Truth. now? Can we talk about something else? No. I do have something else. By the way, it is kind of funny because I I want you, Vince. I hope you realize that this is when Chris is probably giggling right now because this is when you're silent for this long. It's this is how he feels sometimes. 
it pains sometimes me, it pains me that the comic book industry and therefore the conventions that result from that industry are based on two friggin' companies. It pains me. But it's what. But uh, no, I know, and I get that. And and and, and and part of part of me feels the same way. But when you have, I mean, Fantastic Four forty eight, near and dear to your heart, right? Yeah. So I, you know, it's a lot of gateway. A lot of people's gateway were the big two. I mean, think of how many people might now go to. I don't know what his lines were like when he was drawing Spawn, and I'm pretty sure not a lot of people were asking for his his, his sketches of of Haunt. But I think Capullo. You don't know that. I, I don't know that. I'm <laughs> taking a guess with his with with his 19 issues. But I'm thinking that he's probably going to have a few people asking him for, for Batman. It's tr- it's true, but you know. And whether that, and we may not feel it's right because the dude's been. I mean, hell, I'd rather ask him for a Quasar or 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 Cannonball headshot. But it's it it's just it it's what it's what gets people noticed and whether that's that's sad or that's fair it's just listen it's who i think i think it'd be super cool if paul chadwick had the same amount of people on his line for concrete that 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 poppy has for church Batman. but it, it would you know, be nice but it would never happen but so you know so you can't but if if chadwick's table is next to capullo's Maybe oh. that some eyes over there. It's just, yeah. but it it it's it's a necessary evil if you want to even call it an evil. But I know. Oh, I it's get, an evil. What you I, I I get where you're coming from, and I you know I there. Are times I mean, yeah, we talked about this a little bit on the forums. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I also think it's kind of BS, dude. Like, I, like, I, especially because you're like a reformed crack addict. Like, like you like <laughs> you're uh. at the foot of the altar of that altar. Like, and that, I mean, so. I I just like I, I just think like we as fans beat each other up too much like like yeah. like what you like like if you don't it's like one, I'm not you saying like if, school, not, if you love super cool like I, I'm, right but I, I'm not condemning anyone for liking that stuff all I know is that if I had two hundred dollar in my pocket and I was going to buy a sketch it would probably go to Larry Martyr or sure someone of that yeah, but that, of that, yeah, but, that but that's you man right. It it is it is, but I would. Re- that's, that's the connection and the affection you have. You, for you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. I mean, what you put Skrilla down for a uh, for a man thing? Um, by who? Uh, boy, it really you just, depends. You know exactly how to get Jason. Yeah. It, it really depends. Um, right, but well, you're also not a huge buyer of art, though. No, I would mu- I would rather an original page than a than a, a sketch or a, or a commission. Well, again, day. that's another conversation. That's what I was saying is that if 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 I couldn't get commissions of what I wanted to get, then I would absolutely just buy art. Like I wouldn't, you know. Hell yeah. Because uh, I mean, all the vinyl I buy are original art. I mean, they're they're all one of a kind original, absolutely. right? So yeah, I'm kind of doing the same thing. But you know, the, the, there's not a, a uh, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Uh huh. I am. But look, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't even like. My point is, is, is it at some point, like, we have to stop beating each other. All like everybody in this in in, in this fandom needs to stop beating each other well, up. Or like, have to justify it. It's yeah, just like what you like. Like, I like. I, like the comic book guys, all butt hurt from that that show. Comic book man, yeah, guys, man, whatever. But you know, it's like, hey, if, if <laughs> I just don't think people should apologize because no. Like, what you're like, I get what you're saying, Vince. That like, the industry, a lot of the the problems with the industry are because it's a duopoly, and that's totally true. And I'm right with you. Yeah. But I mean, 
be that as it may, we have no real control over that, but we do have control over what we like. And I, I fucking love those. I still love those characters. I mean, I don't. I mean, I. Sure. You know, you I'm not gonna like. I fucking love Je- them. Je- Jeff Lemire showed a, a warm up sketch uh, yesterday of Dead Man, and I got all, all giddy about it. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's Weissen's character, you know? Right. Yep. I mean, you think of how many how many different series. Spidey has with, with with cartoons, but you know, hey, at least we got that that season each of of Savage Dragon and Wildcats. You're, Truth. An, evil, you're an evil man. <laughs> <laughs> you are. So so speaking of Dark Horse, I I read. Ooh. Oh, uh, David's going to talk about I'm comics. Gonna talk. I'm going to talk about comics. I um I decided to to read a uh, an old four issue miniseries. Um, very, very near and dear. You, you read an old my, series? Man? Really? Seriously? No, no lie. This, um, this way back Wednesday. It's way back Wednesday. It, yeah, because I didn't do it on the forum. This, um, this, the, the character was first introduced in a miniseries. It was an anthology. Uh, this miniseries was called Mayhem, and uh, and Mayhem. And it was uh, the other characters in the title uh, were the Mark and. Uh, and Mecca, I believe, but the one Jesus, that really, back. yeah, the one that really, really stuck out to me. The reason why I bought all four issues was a um, was a little character that uh, called the Mask, and this uh, basically the this story, the, this serial. Uh, and, and it was weird. Mayhem, I never really got Mayhem because it's like, well, why wasn't this just part of Dark Horse Presents? But they, 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 they just kind of had these, these three little stories in these, in, in these four issues. And, um, it was a, a self-contained story regarding the mask. It introduced, uh, Stanley Ipkiss, which was the, the Jim Carrey character in the, the movie, which aside from the name and some of the things, the mask does in the movie has absolutely nothing to do with the source material. Yeah. Uh, source material is very, well, I mean, the movie was over the top, but the source material was, um, it was, it was, it was darker. It was, uh, a little more violent. It wasn't PG 13, but it's, um, you know, so, so Stanley finds the mask and, uh, basically he's, he's a very milk toasty kind of guy and, and, and gets bullied around a lot. Where's the mask decides to get revenge on the people that uh, that he feels do him wrong. Uh, Stanley meets his demise during mayhem, and the four issue the mask miniseries that that um, that followed the uh, mayhem. Basically, it's it and again, it's also self contained. But if if you did read mayhem, you kind of get a little bit of. Um, it, it it continues that story, but it's it's you don't need to read the the original um, serial f- from Mayhem, but this um, this is is written by uh, John Arcudi. It is uh, beautifully illustrated by Doug Mankey, and and it, this was this was Doug Mankey back in and this is 1991 ish. So this was uh, he was a lot tighter. I'd say. I mean, we 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 know him these days 
from Green Lantern, just not the the latest atrocity because that, that that's from Mike Choi. But the oh, we know wow. him from we we know him from um, <laughs> from Green Lantern and and pitching in to to finish up Final Crisis and 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 the Superman Beyond. But he um, I think his style is a little bit more looser these days. Plus, of course, he's also he also has anchors. On, on his work these days, Christian Alamea among a few others. But back then, this was um, this was all him. The, the, Doug Mackey is, is listed as artist on this miniseries. It's a long uh, time ago, too. It is. It's 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 ages ago. And and as I say, it, this was the the art in in these four issues um, reminds me of Richard Corbin. Reminds me of especially when when we see some of the. Uh, some of the ne'er do wells, the mask meets, uh, reminds me of of the just recently dearly departed John Severin. Uh, the um, it, silence. It, yeah, yeah, bummer. I love John. Yes, uh, definitely a, a a style from from. Regardless of when you came <laughs> across his art, looked the same from from way back when to to now, but. Uh, it's it it's it has a very indie style feel to it, but it's um, Kellaway is is our is the person who we pretty much know throughout this series. Uh, Stanley Ipkiss's girlfriend hands the mask over to um, Lieutenant Kellaway. Says uh, this was the cause. Th- this is the cause of they called the crime spree during the the first during the mayhem serial, the big head, uh, case. And, um, so she hands the mask over to the police and, and Kellaway kind of just holds on to it for safekeeping. Doesn't hand it into, um, to evidence, just holds on to it. But when, um, he finds out that there are drug dealers who are getting off due, due to lack of evidence and things like that, he decides to, to take matters into his own hands. And this is just, it's, it's very, um Chuck Jonesy in, in, in its violence. It's yeah. uh there there's definitely a, a a Warner Brothers feel to it, old Looney Tunes type stuff. Uh he um Kellaway has a, a broken arm throughout the entire series. It's in a sling. But when he puts the mask on, uh he's absolutely fine. He shoots himself in the hand to test the theory. Uh hand is absolutely fine and it's actually healed by the time we turn the page. He um in order to take out two um hooligans they both blow him away on either they're on either side of the door they they both have shotguns they they blow the mask away uh but of course everything goes through him and and into the other person and and he's got this huge gaping hole in his chest which again you know a few panels later everything's fine and healed um he really cannot be destroyed um the the uh the series ends this particular miniseries and and there were a few different uh there were sequels to this and 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 of course there there were crossovers with uh with the joker with dc and and grifter with image uh, or or wildstorm but um this was this is definitely from back in the day and i believe this is in the 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 mask omnibus from dark horse mm-hmm. yep. um it was, uh, it's just, it, it's one of those things where I, again, I, I just, I remember buying off the, uh, off the rack and, and it just, it, it, I mean, and even just not, not just the story, but 
or not not just for the character, but just the way Dark Horse was back then. This was, I mean, they had so so few um, few titles out at the time, and and you had, I mean, their their, their big thing was mostly um, Predator, and and but they had uh, they they had like right, for, for the checklist includes Dark Horse Presents number fifty three, uh, Venus Wars, Terminator. Um, Race of Scorpions two, Badlands. I mean, they they just they, they're concrete number four. So I mean, it was it was back when just a few years after Dark Horse was was publishing books, and um, and it just it's it's a, it feels different to me than than uh, than the Sin City stuff, and 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 of course the the, the recent the current. Dark Horse presents, but I mean, I just I've been a fan of. I mean, the mask is or mayhem rather is is what um, what made me mayhem a, a, a Doug Mankey fan, and and uh, there's just been no looking back, and, and and the fact that he was drawing Green Lantern for for so long just pleases me to no end. But um, I just wish it was a character I enjoyed. It was just the uh, if you can find the mask on the bus, if if you can find any of these back issues, and I'm sure that the back issues are going to be. Mad cheap. I mean, probably cheaper than than the the collected edition, the omnibus. But um, just fantastic art and and just a fun story, if you want to call it that. I mean, he he slams people's heads in un, under car hoods, um, and there's just it, it's he is it's it's kind of like an early precursor to uh, to to what um, to what Garth did with, with Punisher. Or during the max line with the way the way Frank would exact revenge on on the mobsters and the drug dealers um the mask was doing that before then and and um I just I think the art is great and and I really dig the story so I'm just I'm, I'm just still having fun going through my back issue guns nice I respect you know the the mask uh Collected editions are always like something I always see for sale at the T Fall sales. They're always on there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess because I'm always thinking of the movie, I, I no. never thought to read yeah. the comic. No, don't, don't, don't. It's, it's. Um... I like the movie. No, yeah, the me mo- too. I, no, I. I well, Son of the Mask yeah. is horrible, though. Oh no, no, uh, I never bothered with that. The, sure. The, the, the movie, I enjoyed the movie because I mean, well, of course, yeah, Cameron. But it's That's um, one of her first movies, I believe it is. I think that was and, the hottest she ever was. Well, yeah, because she was because she had the push-up on everything. But um, I mean, it's just right. just the way the way he the way Jim Carrey brought the mask to life was great. But I wouldn't it, Jason. I would I would consider the mask movie to the comic book to the um, uh, Generation X telemovie on Fox. Oh wow! Okay, Generation X comic. Book. Oh, so it, it's that it's, much of a departure, huh? Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 oh. look at it too. So no, definitely. If when when next time they they're having their their Nick and Dent sale, grab grab the mask on the bus. Cool. It's good stuff. It is. Art's fantastic. Yeah. It's freaking monkey, dude. Dude, that's what I'm saying. It's ripped. It's jacked. It's Stop. Anyone even there? Yeah, I know he wasn't even there. I still got a tweak. That's what I do. Nicely done, I want to talk about the second hardcover I got. Please you, do. You guys, you, you, suck. you need to see this stuff. I sent you, wait a minute, I didn't send it to Chris. I will send Chris the link now because I want him to see this stuff. I sent David and Dap a link. 
It's, David and Dap? Dap and Wood, a, a, a link. It's theartofskinner.com. Fire that up. All right. Now, if you let that thing roll, you will eventually see the cover of a book called Every Man is My Enemy by the artist known as Skinner. Look at that cover. How could, yeah. you not, how could you not buy that damn book on the spot? It's pretty awesome. I, I, I've been enamored of, of Skinner's work for a while, and uh, this book is published by Ginkgo Press. Uh, Ginkgo Biloba. Biloba. Yes. Uh, Zero Friends is where you can get it, Zero Friends, and uh, Critical Hit. Uh, and if the, the, the name Critical Hit is any indication, Skinner's stuff is, there's a number of influences in, in his stuff, but he is squarely in the Dungeons and Dragons realm. He loves the helmed warriors swinging huge swords and battle axes. He he the the dungeon crawl like the the icky creepy creatures one would encounter in a dungeon. This guy draws the fuck out of them. And uh there's violence galore. He's a great character designer. Uh he's uh from California. Sacramento. Uh, this guy's done it all. He had, he's had gallery shows. He's designed vinyl figures. That's uh, your boy. I have one. The, the Ultra Spog is great. He's done comics, paintings, uh, album covers, murals, uh, skateboard decks. That's what you call them, right? Decks. Mm-hmm, skateboard yeah. decks. Uh, prints, t-shirts. Uh, the guy does it all and he works in a variety of mediums. Uh, he'll, he's like last week, we talked about pattern, uh, artists that employ pattern as a design element and as a, like a, uh, a surface treatment to their, uh, paintings. Skinner does the same thing. The, uh, the warriors in his, uh, drawings and paintings often have, uh, battle gear that have patterns in them and he'll repeat a certain pattern in the sky or in, in the hair and he'll he'll throw another pattern in uh like like say the 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 ripples in a, in a creature's skin it, there are ripples in the skin but there's also a pattern so it's like a design element and a surface texture the dude is incredible look at some of that artwork click on art in the in the in that blog and you'll see just like scads of he's a sculptor he sculpts his own figures resin figures of of uh warriors and and creatures the guys just look does that art not send you for a loop i sent i sent zach the link to this book and he's like i'm buying it (laughs) i i need to interject here real quick speaking of zach or i will forget uh i saw uh today uh one of the uh, better known billboards uh in town it's actually a side of a building they uh they started putting up the art and it's to announce a uh Lichtenstein exhibit at the uh, the art uh, uh, nice. uh, so uh, as soon as i saw it's like oh got a call got a call cursey tell him to come uh, see his man yeah zach doesn't like him he's uh, not a big fan of the Lichtenstein. oh well david if you can find some of his um black and white line art on there his inking style is impeccable very brushy with the with the thick and thins he knows how to use a a thick line to hold the weight and a very feather light touch for the light areas the guy is just he's a renaissance man he's multi-talented some of these uh illustration uh, no i'm not illustrations. some of these paintings in this book are huge there's a, a a bunch of pictures in the book where he actually needs a ladder to get 
to the entire surface of of the the image yeah he's he's incredible this, and, uh, this barbarous cock design is pretty neat yeah a lot of his work is very sexual yeah mm -hmm. there, there there's a, a bunch of images in here where the uh barbarians are doing their work and they got like raging stiffies and uh yeah it's it's yeah, demonic artwork he's got a there's a, a bunch of characters in here where he'll take he'll take famous musicians like there's a frank zappa he loves frank zappa and they have the uh the psychedelic battle gear on and monster feet in some uh images he did lita ford uh annie defranco's in here randy rhodes uh <laughs> nancy wilson Jimi hendrix brian may is really funny he's got like uh ooze for feet and even the ooze he'll he'll make with the the patterns it, it's not blood it is blood but he does it in a way where he treats it both as as a a, a repetition and as blood it's it's just the guy's work is amazing and the DT thing that will get you some night yeah is that funny <laughs> and the uh there's a, a two-page picture of him working at his his uh in his studio and you can see his shelves around his work area. As I peruse them, I just thought, this guy's, he's like a brother. There's, uh, mm -hmm. Marvel Legends figures on the shelf. He has the, uh, Emir and the, the Cyclops from Ray Harryhausen, Gamera. He's got a big Hulk. Mothra's in there, like Kaiju out the Wahoo. He's got the gigantic Fin Fang Foom from, um, Hero Clicks. Just, cheap plastic masks he designs those too like the kids halloween masks that you used to see in the boxes when you were a kid with the, mm -hmm. the the goofy one piece costumes he's got those on his wall hellboy he's got a frazetta death dealer like this guy is is one of us and i just think his art is incredible it's uh every man is my enemy you can get it from zero friends if if you get it now he'll sign the book and you get a free is it Jickly print or, or is that how you say Jickly print? You get a free signed print too, and it's just a tremendous value. I think the book was like thirty bucks, and it's well worth it. It's all in color, yeah. thick as thick as a mother. Every well, one hundred seventy-two pages, two hundred fifty illustrations and photos, eight eight and a half by eleven. Yeah, uh, you will spend hours perusing his artwork. It's it's unbelievably well crafted uh, and the, the the thing is your eyes never get tired it's energetic uh, it's all over the place and um, it's raw he's, he's he has like the 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 unbridled energy of an outsider artist a self-taught artist which he was dude never went to school to do it nice. but he has there's an elegance to his work too in his line uh, like uh, the the best brushman you've seen in, in comics. There's, it's all about the fury and the power and the heavy metal and and the the dungeon crawl and the space creatures. It's it, some would say it's trite and cliche. I remember in 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 early in in grade school, whenever I picked up a pencil, I would draw barbarians hacking away at a big ass dragon, and the dude never mm -hmm. lost it. it. It's 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 part of them brilliant illustrator check it out it's uh fantastic zerofriends.com i think it's i'll put the link up in the show notes where can they find the show notes david forum.bullpinbulletinspodcast.com yes eoch uh, i haven't been able to put the, well i did put it down for for the american barbarian but since i got the book i, I i've spent hours just looking at this this art that's awesome yeah it's gorgeous it. gorgeous stuff not a fan would, I could tell. 
No, I, I just, uh, I to be honest with you, I, my, I'm nervous about my computer connection, so I'm not looking at the art. Aww. I'm just listening to you. Okay. So I, I can't well, react to the art until later. It's it's a bit on the on the elegant scale. Take a Johnny Ryan. The yeah. Same, the same the same penchant for bloodshed, mayhem, uh, craziness, mayhem, mm -hmm. bloody uh, sexual things. Uh, he would do a drawing of John Madden. <laughs> Jesus. Oh no. <laughs> it, it looks like a boil. Uh, uh, he's got he's got big floppy right. big floppy man <laughs> yeah. tits. Uh, it's great. I just I love Skinner. Uh, yeah, follow him on Twitter uh, too because he's he's a normal dude. He'll he'll just he'll, he'll he'll tweet you back. The, the guy's Is he gonna fantastic. Be a I sure hope so. But he will be. He he's been at New York, and I believe he was at uh, San Diego because he sold exclusive figures there. And uh, I got to still got to get my hands on one of them. But yeah, Skinner, do it. Check him Blood out. Good wizard. Bloody. Alexis. Might be my second got? favorite Skinner in comics. Next to BF? Ah! Uh, no. Oh, Skinner Sweet. Sorry. Wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Chris! <laughs> yes! Speak to me, brother. Uh, I read, I, I read a, uh, an awesome comic this week. One single awesome comic? Uh, actually, actually five issues. Uh, something that came out, and I bought the first issue, and like I am apt to do these days, said, "Yep, I'm gonna want that in hardcover." And I got it in hardcover sometime like right around the end of the year. And it's like I'm going to pick out a weekend day and read this, and I did. And it, first of all, is beautiful. And second of all, it's written just for me. Just like uh, American Barbarian is written for Vince, this is a period piece. It has vampires and gangsters and aliens. Awesome. Why, why wouldn't I like that? What is it? I'm not saying that you wouldn't. I'm just saying that it's it's everything. Right? You add a baseball player, and it's and it's absolutely. <laughs> is, is there a baseball uh, player in it? There's not a baseball player. No, and we will, not speak, we will not speak his name from here on out, Jason. Sorry. Uh, uh, it is, uh, and you guys have a good idea what this is. It is uh, written by Jonathan Ross, who uh, American comic book fans may know from uh, In Search of, the In Search of uh, Steve Ditko. And he and, did Turf last year. And that's what I'm talking about is Turf. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Oh, which, I, I like, I bought, yeah. I finally, finally read it, and it was awesome. And God, Tommy Lee Edwards, Tommy Edwards is right so, so good. That guy is yeah. His his art's ridiculous. I mean, donkulous. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You got to admit though, Chris, it's not an easy read. I was gonna say it's a wordy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know what? Once once I got into the groove of it, yeah, I was fine. I would, maybe it's because I've been reading a lot of Silver Age stuff uh, mm -hmm. here recently. It's kind of going back and reading some some older stuff, which is you know this doesn't hold a candle to to that stuff. Um, I thought it was once I got into it and kind of got his voice with stuff, I was fine with it. You do get your money's worth though. You know, for uh, apparently a first-time comic book writer, which you know, I or first time he's you know had anything of note published, and you know, let's be honest, it's it's because of his notoriety in England that that he 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 was able to to, to get this gig, I would imagine. But yeah, for uh, 
you know, being first time that that he's had a, a big work published, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. And you know, having Tommy Tommy Lee Edwards there as your visual storyteller never hurts. Money and, in the uh, bank. Yeah, and, and I think it was just Jonathan Ross putting uh, every fun idea that he had into a comic. I mean, it is. It's 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 gangsters and vampires and aliens, and they're all fighting over New York. It's all about... Did, uh, did, did John Workman letter it? Of course. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I don't I don't know if Tommy Lee Edwards worked that, right? out yeah. without, without Workman. So, and, and the lettering is... It's... That's one thing. I mean, you look at a Tommy Lee Edwards comic, and mostly because of of the work that John Workman does on the letters, you just you kind of fall into these word balloons, and they're so rich. And I think that people that wouldn't even know or notice that it's hand lettered, there, <laughs> there would just be something different about it that mm-hmm. they would pick up on. And man, I I wish I wish that letters would get paid well enough that they could go back to hand lettering comics because it's such a huge difference. And I know that there are great digital letters out there. I know that there are great digital uh, font makers. It's just what they're trying to do is recapture the work of hand letters. And there's just, there's just something about it that is, immediately adds a richness to the comics and that's and and the turf had that so i i hope i hope jonathan ross uh realizes and appreciates how awesome the art and lettering in that comic are right and i think he does while we're on the subject i don't mind digital lettering uh if i did i'd be shit out of luck because a lot of companies <laughs> use it these days but what i don't like is digital sound effects there's only been one person in my estimation that's ever pulled that off, and it's Ken Brusnack. Like uh, when, whenever, you, whenever you get the kathunk and it's done in a in a digital font, it looks wrong to me. Yeah, I I, I love the workman whoosh or doom, you know, and you can tell that this this mm-hmm. this exclamation has been hand lettered. Yeah, you know, for the text, fine. If you want to do your 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 digital stuff, but you gotta do the the sound effects by hand. Yeah, not not anymore. I know. You know, and and I was thinking about this because I've been I've been doing a little a little lettering uh, on the side, just kind of playing around with it. And I would guess, and if there are any letters out there listening to this, um, I'd, I'd be fascinated to know. But you basically um, build big Illustrator templates of different different size balloons and different layers so you can put you know balloons on top of other balloons and and, you know the the little tails and 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 that kind of stuff and so you create like the entire language of of you know of comics with these balloons on the big pasteboards and i was just guessing that a lot of a lot of letters will have whenever they're not like actually sitting down lettering a comic they'll just do explosions and 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 sound effects and just develop a library for them that when time comes that they have a sound effect and they've already designed it they can just throw it in be a lot faster if they just drew it by hand yeah then having a whole library in their downtime that they work on and whenever they're lettering they can just drop it in in two seconds 
No, it's not two seconds. Searches yeah, and search go, go, going it, going yeah. through libraries take. It, it, it's it's yeah. probably the equal time, but come on, the, the sound effects. I don't know. It just takes some of the finesse out of it because well, I agree. I agree. A, a lot of times the sound effect becomes part of the panel. They the illustrator obviously budgeted that that part of the the picture plane for that sound effects. So it, it it's mm -hmm. part of the composition. Whereas if you just get a kathunk that you drew uh three months ago and plop it in this panel, it it, it may work, but it's not the best case. Scenario. Yeah, but you see but you see that a lot. So oh, there yeah, is uh yeah. there, there's a panel in the, the second issue of Scarlet Spider where um I, uh, Kane is is basically having a nightmare, but th it, there's it's it's a gun it's two gunshots. It, it says blam twice, and Stegman did draw oh, the, the sound effect in the panel. Yeah, what a man, Ryan, big ups. Yep, mm -hmm. Steggy, Steggy, Steggy. Yep. All right, what are we doing here? Are we done? Yeah, look at that. We're over two hours already, and we wow. didn't even do the In Your Travels yet, which means Whoa. this is going to be a two-and-a-half-hour episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you very much to Discount Comic Book Service for sponsoring this episode, dcbservice.com, where you, pointing the finger, can get your favorite funny books and collectibles at huge, massive, Wumba-sized discounts. Way below retail, 35 to 75% off some of their spotlight specials, like the Shadow Number 1. You want to get that? They have it at really cheap. Uh, and in your travels, ah, I got to do this. Jason's not going to like it, but I got to do it. Hmm. Oh, I know what you're going to say. The new smoke signal is out. Oh. You know that <laughs> newspaper from the uh, Manhattan's uh, Desert Island Bookstore? So why would I want you to say that? There is a six-page, I think it's the longest piece that's ever been in here. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's a six-page comic done by ben Benjamin Mara. Ah, it's a, there it's, we go. it's a jam. That's, it's a jam I, piece. <laughs> uh, Benjam Benjamin Mara wrote it. Oh, shit. And you know who drew it? Michael DeForge drew it. The uh, artist behind the Lose series from uh, Koyama Press, and you know what else Michael DeForge does? He's, uh, one he's of an ensign on the uh, Starship Enterprise. No, uh, he, he's one of the designers for Adventure Time. Uh, he, oh, here we go! Yes, you have. Uh, I thought you were going to say in your travels read Adventure Time number one. That's why I was. I <laughs> couldn't get it, or I would have. Uh, Tony so, Millionaire is in like, here with some Mackies. The Mackies, there we go. Kaz, Kaz's Underworld. Michael Kupperman has a double page color center wow. spread. Harvey Picar and Bill Griffith. Zach Sally, Matt Thurber, John Porcinello, Julie Delaporte, Sam Henderson is in here. Magic Whistles, Sam Henderson, Johnny Negron, Tavis, Travis Millard, Gary Lieb. And you know who did the cover? Charles frickin' Burns did the cover. Really? Oh, yes. Like it's, it's from the, uh, crossed out universe. And the title is in that, that goofy language that popped up in there. It's, it's, you can read Smoke Signal, but the title of the book is in that, <laughs> that wacky otherworldly font that he uses. It's free if you're in mm. the Manhattan area. If you're not, they charge you four bucks for shipping. It's like, it, it it's it's a deal any way you slice it. Whether you get it for free in New York or you get it shipped to your home, it's tabloid size, great, uh, 
comics. That's uh, where you found uh, pterodactyl um, hunters in the Gilded Age, right? No, I bought that right from. Uh, God damn it! What's his name? Shit! I wish I had it in front of me. Uh, Brendan Brendan Leach. Yes, I bought, yes, I bought it right from him because we got the badges. Yeah, the oh, pins. I, thought, I, thought, I thought you got that at like a Desert Island store. I don't. Yeah, I think I'm so. not sure. I don't know. You're always wrong, so probably not. But we're going to be able to get it from soon. Oh, top shelf. That's, That's right, baby. Damn it! Th- thank you, David. Vince yes. didn't pick up on my. I was gee easily is, crafted transition for him. Yes, this is uh, issue number eleven. Get it, Desert Island Bookstore. Uh, they're at 540 Metropolitan Avenue in Brooklyn, and yes, and they're That's they're a great thing. little shop. The same thing. Yeah. So yeah. get it. Cool. Uh, 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 I mentioned uh, uh, Brubaker Phillips uh, quite a bit tonight, and uh, I haven't mentioned one of my favorite books in a really long time. Uh, in your travels, go back and read one of the best books of uh, the the decade past, and that's uh, Sleeper from uh, from Wildstorm and and Brubaker and Phillips. That's kind of where. Are you on the payroll? For what? The Brubaker Phillips payroll. Uh, it's reading The Last of the Innocent reminded me how much I love that that writer artist team. It's a and, great book. And, and Sleeper a great is book. where I fell in love with them. It's one of my all time favorite books. So there you go. Spun some gold out of the Wildstorm universe. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's bound to happen. Yeah. Uh, in your travels, uh, this is a. I won't talk about the book that just recently finished. I'll talk about an event, in air quotes, that uh, it's a weekly type of event. Um, Crossed. No, no, it's something good. The uh, Wow. wow. <laughs> that, was, that was just... That was, that was, that was bitter. That was cold-blooded. That's what it was. It was bitter. It's <laughs> bitter. I, anyway. Uh, this, uh, Sour Patch Kid. This was there we go yeah you got yeah it's blood there uh, and then you sweet this, this, this is uh, this is a little thing called circle of four and and the four consists of venom red hulk ghost rider and x twenty three um uh, it's 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 a I'll call it a Venom event because it starts in Venom number 13, and then it's a weekly event because 13.1 through 4 uh, continue the story, and um, and I think it, it concludes in Venom number 14. But instead of crossing over with individual, instead of crossing over with Ghost Rider and, and the Red Hulk book and before X-23 ended uh it's all just self-contained within this it, it starts off with rick remender and and tony moore on venom 13 13.1 is written by rob williams with uh with art by lee garbett and um and it's basically ghost writer's story in this little thing i'm not really feeling the ghost writer this particular ghost writer the way i, I kind of was initially um alejandra is is a apparently she's I don't know. I don't even know if she's nineteen. She she's a teenage girl. Thinks she knows more than than Johnny Blaze. Why would you listen? I, I can't. This is my whole thing with with, with kids and and how they have to you know kids today. Got to got to figure figure things out on their own instead of listening to the dude with the experience. But um, do they ever? 
It's because well, I don't have kids. I I, I just no, have, they don't. They so, don't. They, 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 don't uh, stick your finger in that light socket. I'm with, they'll do it. They'll do it. Uh, so so it's because of Ghost Rider that that uh, hell is uh, is going to come to Earth and Blackheart is involved and um, trying to do what 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 Mephisto, what Daddy could never do. Uh, Doctor Strange shows up briefly, as does. Um, Son of Satan, uh, for a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they'll have a bigger part as the series goes on, as this, as the event goes on. But uh, it's the the um, the chemistry, the the interaction between Ross and 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 the whole reason is Flash Thompson is in Vegas to to get away from everything. Um, Dad died, and he's he's basically he's he's depressed. He is losing his battle with uh with the bottle he's 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 becoming a heavier alcoholic than he ever was um the, the symbiote really isn't helping matters but he's a deserter he's he's a wall from the army he took the suit and and he he bolted so um they call in general ross to to wrangle him back and and so um that makes the con- sense the conversations ross has with with flash are are funny and interesting and and he basically considers you know flat flash coward uh, and and a traitor and and uh so they have good good things going on and and x23 who you know she she's in vegas because she's after the dude who took a sample of her blood because she doesn't want any more clones of her made so (laughs) it makes sense as to why all the players are here it's not like secret wars or contest of champions where they were just yanked and, and they're all here uh but it's uh, there's only been two parts so far I'm, I'm digging it and uh and it's a weekly thing so it, it it's still going on but i wasn't sure i i didn't have super huge high expectations going in but i'm i'm rather enjoying it so check it out that's cool yeah i was a little leery i was worried it was like a fifth week event so that's good to know that it's uh it's getting it done because you never know with those things. Yes, I agree. Um, so I want to uh, give little props to an image book, uh, actually the uh, published under the Shadow Line, um, Mr. Valentino's, uh, I guess imprint is what they call it these days. That's what the the kids today call it. Um, co-created uh, by Curtis Weeb and Tyler Jenkins. Uh, nice. Curtis being the writer, Tyler being the cartoonist. Uh, Peter Panzerfaust. Ah, uh, the first issue came out. Um, it's pretty cool. It's it's um, and I I didn't I I didn't wasn't drawn in by the initial solicit, but uh, I heard the don't miss that uh, Paul Fuzzy typewriter Montgomery did yeah. uh, for iFanboy last week, and it it uh, was enough to get me to to buy the book. Um, it, basically, these guys took the Peter Pan mythos and turned it into a World War II story. So Peter Pan is a daring, adventurous uh, American soldier who befriends and saves the lives of a bunch of French orphans who were the Lost Boys and they fight the Nazis. Now, I've only read the first issue, cool. but I did in this interview hear them talk about their plans. And so Captain Hook is a Nazi, and a lot of the characters that we've come to know are in the roles. But there's, there's no magic. It's not like there. this is just as if 
these people happen to be, you know, uh, World War II uh, combatants. And um, it's neat. It's real neat. I mean, it's it's got like a Fables vibe in the sense, in that sense, where it's like you, you take these classic characters, but you put them in a different setting. Um, and again, it's it's been one issue, but it was really a lot of fun. Certainly, if you have any taste for war books, uh, particularly World War II books, um, this, this is right up... Uh, that alley, um, and it's real cool. I'm definitely along for the ride. I, I, uh, I think it's a, it's in a in a, a world of of not so unique ideas. It's a pretty cool take on on uh, on a on a group of characters that I, I wouldn't have thought of doing. So uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Do you know how you say puppet in German? Panzerfaust. Gummipuppen. <laughs> okay, it's true. I believe it's true. true. All right. Uh, before we sign out, I, I'm still all broken up over it, but um, I could say thank you, and it doesn't even come anywhere near uh, encapsulating everything that the, the the guy has has given to me. But um, yeah, I miss John Severin, and thank yeah. you, John Severin. Yes, sir. For for everything. Um, in that that big old pantheon of of great comic book artists, he was really close to the head of the table i so. was um th- there were some tweets from uh from like um scott dumbier from I-, I think he was with dark horse at the time but i guess i guess john Severn was was doing work on um maybe it was aliens and and john arcudi was um was writing the story, or it was it was john and maybe mike richardson but they uh the anecdotes people were sharing online there was one where um i guess the writers had written a particular rifle and john had requested changes made because the rifle that they had written into the story was not a long-range rifle and it wouldn't have worked as a sniper and then there was another one where uh i guess they were um they were going to have a stagecoach pulled by horses and and he went ahead and changed it to mules just because it was more um factual and and just it and it was i mean he just when when you see and it's and not just to i'm not going to no i'm not even gonna go there the 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 attention to detail and how how you know john Severin would make sure little things like firearms i mean anybody could draw a certain gun or just you know the 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 burglar you know who killed uncle ben you know could just have this particular type of gun and dicko would just draw whatever you know a handgun might look like to him but then you have somebody like severin who just wants to pay attention to detail and and will and it would just just, say i mean whether it was a tank or or a rifle or a handgun or 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 an animal just it and whatever would work in that in that region at the time it just and and it it would whereas we were just some people might read comic books and just look at the pictures and just move along with the story but i mean i guess with him as he's doing the book it would just stop the story cold and i guess i mean it's and and again though it's just the professionalism, whether whether he's he's doing something ridiculous in Crack Magazine with, with, with Sylvester DeGender, or just you know in 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 Savage Tales, or it doesn't matter. It his his artwork always looked the same, and I I, I thought it was just it, it was so good. It was great stuff. Yeah, fantastic artist. Yeah, we'll be missed. Oh yeah. Well, let's go out on a high note. Because he gave us a lot of stuff, and we're thankful mm-hmm. for that. 
Yeah, and darn it, you know, he lived to be ninety years old, and that's awesome. He, uh, and he went uh, all the way, uh, all the way to the end. He was working, man. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah. Good point. Captain, How, may, may we all be that lucky? Same quality, well, not a comparable quality towards the end as he did in any point in his career. You can't say that about a lot, a lot of, of guys. Right. All right, hey, we love you, and we will be back next week, same channel. Sorry. Join us. To start another 200. That's right. Yeah. Long run. So just getting David. started. Right, Vince? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It's just, it's just, <laughs> we are. Uh, we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll start again next week. <laughs> Night, everybody. Bye. See ya. Peace. Love you. Bye-bye. See you in two and two. Two and two. Nice Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery. You're weird. Oh, I'm weird. All right, Skinner. I'm weird. He's awesome. Uh, Bye. I love it. I love it. He's all salty. <laughs> <laughs>